This is Turn on the Jets Film Room, your weekly extensive breakdown of New York Jets X's and O's. <laughs> now, here are your hosts, Joe Blewett. Stop route in the middle, curl. I actually like this throw from Dawn. Maybe I want to see him get rid of the ball a little bit sooner as he sees the soft coverage, but I like how he leads him outside. Great freaking snag. That's a snag, man. And former Texas Tech All-American, current Arena League coach, and the hero of the Monday Night Miracle, Marcus, Marcus Coleman. Coleman. And he's oh, again by Coleman. You got to hand it to Marcus Coleman. He made the play earlier to pick it off in front of Gadsden, and then he read the eyes of the quarterback here. That interception is his third of the game, and that ties a Jets team mark. On Turn on the Jets Digital. And you are listening to the 33rd edition of TOJ Film Room. Uh, going to be flying solo. There was no Marcus today, uh, obviously, with it being his season. He's like in season right now. He's going through training camp and all that stuff. So um, with his Arena League team or uh, whatever it is. And um, obviously, he's going to be busy. It just is what it is. So uh, over the next couple of months, he'll be missing a little bit. He'll show up sometimes. And during the season, when it's his off season, he'll be showing up more. Uh, but we're going to be pumping out a ton of content this uh this next month is going to be absolutely crazy it's why my freaking hair looks like it does because i just don't even have time to even go to the freaking barber shop because all this film i was saying i'm going to get out like 30 almost 30 uh rookie profiles and reviews and stuff like that um at this point i might be lucky to get out 15 with how free agency's gone with the jets because uh i think people want to see more about free agency who's actually on the jets team than than you know rookies uh who are, are you know, draft prospects who might not even be on the Jets. So I think I have to pump out the rookies for, or I mean, uh, the free agents first and then get to the, you know, to the rookies after. If they sign like a backup guard, um, like they did, you know, t- the other day with uh, whatever, whatever the guy's names were. Uh, let me see, what, what the hell are the guy's names? Um, Tom Compton. Like, I'm not going to do a review on, you know, Tom Compton, maybe until a little bit later in the uh, offseason where I'll do like a, I'll, I'll watch like four to eight games of him, see what he has. Uh, see if he could be a potential spot starter if you really want him on the bench, uh, you know, full-time. Um, but this show is going to be a, another mailbag show. I'm going to do like a free agency wrap-up. I'm not breaking down film just yet. I finished uh, CJ Mosley recording. I'm just starting to put them up now. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, JoeRB31, you can see them there. Um, so I'll put on that. I just finished recording Jamison Crowder, and I'm – I like six games left of uh, Kalachi Asamole that I want to watch. Um, and I'll put up him and then I'll put up Brian Poole and hopefully I can jump into uh, some some NFL draft guys. But uh, we've you know, got a ton of followers, both um, I think on the show, good amount of uh, subscriptions. And then I got a decent amount of uh, followers the last couple of weeks with free agency happening or last week and a half, whatever it is with free agency happening and doing the reviews. Um, so if you can, if you're a new listener, like I said, you enjoy the podcast, just go to the podcast app, leave it five stars if you're kind enough to leave a review. Uh, on the podcast app, that helps that, that helps out greatly. I'm not going to go into the whole spiel. You guys have heard it before. Um, but we're TOJ Space Film, Space Room on iTunes. Uh, YouTube, you just type in Turn on the Jets. You'll see, you'll see it right there. You'll see TOJ Film Room. Uh, I think the last like, 15, 20 things we've posted on YouTube have been this show. Um, it is TOJ, so there is some other things on there, but you'll, you'll see TOJ Film Room. You'll see either my face or Marcus's or uh, the logo of the show, um, so you can find us there. Um, 
like I said, I'm doing a, uh, like a bi-weekly or weekly um, mailbag. I think I did this like a week and a half ago. So I'm, I'm about keeping it up. And you guys sent a lot of questions in again. So I, I appreciate that. You can always tweet me, like I said, JoeRB31. Uh, either put like hashtag tag mailbag or just let me know you want it to be uh, for the mailbag show. Then I'll put it in there. Uh, or you can email me at toj at gmail.com. B-L-E-W-E-T-T-Joe. TOJ at Gmail, uh, no spaces. Um, and uh, I guess let's, let's get into it. I'm donning some Jets green right now because the Jets, for the most part, have, um, have made me happy. Uh, we have obviously some holes that I, I still think the Jets need to fill and needed to fill coming into free agency in the first couple of days or even the first couple of weeks that they have and that we'll talk about. But we'll get into free agency, some of the bigger moves throughout the NFL. And then um, finally wrap up like the Jets moves. I'll quickly go through them because I'm going to have a full – Probably two shows on C.J. Mosley, maybe one show if I can fit it. Um, we're going to have a show on, you know, Crowder and, and Poole, maybe individually, maybe together. I, I don't know, but we're going to have, you know, full shows on their film. So I'm not going to dive too deep into any of their film today. It's just going to be more talking points and things like that in general opinions. Um, but let's start off with the mailbag, which I got. I think last week or the last one I did this, I said I got like 28, 27 questions. And I didn't think I would get that again. I got 25 questions. Um, so you guys are obviously Jets fans are, are more interactive now that free agency is going on and all that stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I appreciate the questions. So we'll keep, we'll keep doing this. As long as people are sending in questions, I'll, I'll keep doing the, the, the mailbag shows. And then maybe you'll get one or two a week. But right now I'm really into the nitty gritty of uh, – doing all the film work, the prep work first, and then uh, we're popping out like two, three shows a week in, in a couple of weeks or next week or whatever it may be. Um, but first question was last week. Um, he didn't get it in time, but it was like right at the edge of it. Uh, from Derek Sinegra. I don't know if it's how you say your name, at Derek Sinegra with no spaces. Uh, for all the people who are out there who for some reason don't want to spend money on good players, could you explain how the cap floor works and how much we have to spend to not be penalized? Um, it's, it was a new rule in the bargaining agreement in 2012, whatever it was, 2011. That was going to come uh, into effect in 2013. In 2013 through the 2016 season, there was no teams who were penalized for um, this rule. So it doesn't really happen often. Uh, but last year began the second four-year period. So it's a four-year period where you have to basically spend 89% of your cap. And that's all um, – kind of the numbers of that is 89% of every season. So it's not just like 89% of that first year. It's 89%, um, you know, kind of total of, of all of those, of all of those cap numbers. It's not one specific year. If you spend, you know, 85 the first year and then, you know, 88 the next year and then 89 the next year, you're going to have to spend like a good, like 95, 96% of your cap that next year to not be uh, penalized. And if you are penalized, let's say, um, to go from 87 to, I'm not giving real numbers right now. I'm just kind of making up numbers. But if you go, if you want to go from 87 to 89 percent on those average of those four years, you have to give out, let's say, 10 million dollars to players on your roster. So you have to spend that money no matter what. So either you're going to spend it on free agents, or you're going to uh, give bonuses to players on the roster. Now I'm not sure how exactly they determine the players on the roster that get that bonus, or if, or if that team is able to just give it out, you know, freely to whoever they want. Maybe give, you know, everybody on the team a hundred thousand dollar bonus or, or whatever you want to do. But they do have to give it out. They can't just hold on to that cap. Um, so that's how that works for people. The Jets are not. They're not. They don't have to worry about that. With this year. The Jets don't have as much money as they really think that pe- or, or people think that they do. And then next year, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to be big spenders too. They're not just going to build this type of team that they're building towards now where you're, you're looking at maybe a 7, 8, 9, maybe 10 win team. Uh, with Donald developing, you're going to spend more money next offseason because that's probably the real season that you're really trying to shoot for that Super Bowl. So 
next like three years is probably the, it's probably the window. Um, Will the next questions from Will not since sixty nine? He sent I think he sent multiple questions this week. Um, how can Mac let Morris and Paradise sign with other teams? Uh, Paradise didn't even get paid much. How can he look at this team the last two years and not make it a priority? Um, the only thing I can think of, the only thing I really heard about was some of the injury concerns that a lot of teams had um, with both with both Morse, which we knew about a lot. You know, it was a big talking point before free agency, and Paradise obviously has um, some injury concerns that people um, didn't really know about that I guess got kind of more highlighted during uh, free agency. So that that's why. But still, I think Paradise signed for like was it four years, twenty eight million? Uh, I think I think I'm right around that area. Or no, I think it was maybe nine million dollars a year. So maybe it was maybe it was three years, uh, twenty seven, or four years. 36 somewhere right on that area uh, I think it was nine million dollars a year though and when I thought he would be signed for maybe 11 or 12 and that kind of indicated to me a little bit that there was uh, some more injury concerns through teams doctors and things like that that's why his price dropped a little bit because I think he's better than Morris who got more money than him so he also had some some concerns but I still agree um that the Jets needed to needed to just to sign him honestly uh unless their medical staff really just did not like uh, his situation. Maybe they know he's going to get injured. And if there's one thing I can give the, the Jets credit for it is their medical staff is very good. Um, but still right now going into the season with Jonathan Harrison as your center is, is not ideal. So um, to not sign a center when that was probably your biggest need of the off season, or maybe other than like corner or left guard, however you want to um, kind of, you know, rate them. Uh, it was one of the biggest concerns of the of the entire offseason. So the fact that we have a backup center right now, or who was a backup center first last year, as penciled in as a starter, uh, is concerning. And, you know, obviously there's it's it's March 20th. We have, we have a month and a week, whatever, before the draft. And we have months and months before the season. I know the Jets brought in uh, Stephen Wisniewski for a visit, I think, yesterday or today. They didn't sign him. They had some contact with Brett Jones, but haven't followed up with him. That's the report that I heard. Um, they're poking around a little bit. Maybe Josh Shitton is a guy you're going to look at to play center. He hasn't really played center too much, but um, we'll see what happens because they, they cannot go into the season with uh, Jonathan Harrison, which I which I said. But you, yeah, you look at the offseason and you're looking at you know the biggest needs being outside linebacker, you know center, cornerback, uh, and left guard. They address they address left guard. They address a slot cornerback slightly, but with something I'll get into later. But Dale Roberts as your number two. I'm not too sure about that either. And you signed Brian Poole to what? Uh, one year, $3.5 million. So that, is that really addressing slot corner? Is bringing back Jonathan Harrison addressing center? And like I said, I'm not, they're not done, but what they've done so far, um, no, not necessarily. Outside linebacker still not addressed, but we have questions coming up with that. But guys have been talking to uh, Tom Compton, obviously, he's signed with the Jets. He's like a, he's, he could play anywhere really on the line. I don't know if he's played center, but I know he, he's played guard and he's played tackle a little bit. They've, like I said, they've had contact with Brett Jones and Steven Wisniewski. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Another question from Will uh, at not since not since sixty nine with no spaces. If you guys want to follow each other, interact with each other after the podcast, I always I'm, I'm always going to tag every single person who sent in questions just so they know the show is out. They can listen fast forward whatever they want to do to their question. Um, but I hope you listen to all the questions. Uh, like I said, Will, why has there been so much silence on Justin Houston? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if he I guess it was a, a typo, but don't hear boo on him from anyone. Um, it's another thing. I don't. It, it's hard to really know. Is is there injury concerns people are worried about? Because that's the only thing I can really th- I, I can think about. Is it's 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 either one of two things. It's either injuries, or he wants much more money than teams are willing to give out for. I believe he's turning thirty or is thirty um, year old pass rusher, and pass rusher is one of those one of those positions you really rely on your athleticism a lot. 
um, unless you're like a freaky guy, kind of like Terrell Suggs is always going to be like a solid pass rusher. But Houston uh, is, is a very athletic guy, so are they kind of concerned, I guess, about um, his athleticism dropping off fast and he wants too much money. Maybe maybe it's too much guaranteed over too many years where teams want to sign him to more of a one, two, three-year deal where he wants three, four years guaranteed with a lot of money. So that could be a sticking point. Is there some injuries that we don't really worry about? But you look at you look at him and he's one of, he's a be, probably the best pass rusher on the entire market going into going into free agency may, uh, minus maybe maybe Trey Flowers but if you're really looking at sack production and I know that Trey Flowers was moved all around the Patriots uh, defensive line was asked to to two gap to one gap to stunt do all that stuff where Justin Houston was more straight up rushing the passer um, but even at this point in their career if you had to take Justin Houston or Trey Flowers one on one versus versus right tackle or left tackle to get a sack at the end of the game. I'm taking Justin Houston still. Uh, like I said, nine sacks in, in, in 12 games last year. He battled some injuries. If you flex it out to 16 games or whatever, let's say he got, you know, uh, I'm sure there's actual math you could do it, but I'm not doing it to my head right now. Um, like 19 – or not 19, Jesus. Uh, 11 or 12 sacks last year at 30 years old. So sign up to the Jets right now. Um, I think it's something that they need to look into. Um, hopefully if he's not battling, you know, too many injuries, they could, they could do that. But I think they, they seem concerned. Um, but next question, and I'm looking at my phone right now because I think there's like something going on with uh, um, yeah, I think there's something going on with his lead. People are looking into like him with like a Michael Jackson gif right now, and I don't know if he's about to be traded or what, but uh, that's probably what's going to happen if uh, but we'll we'll see. Um, okay, so next question from Charmin Philip. Uh, Charm Phil three four one with no spaces, um, with the front seven depth looking like it does now. Is there a place for the Jets to pick up Justin Houston? Uh, just got a question about him, so I'll have to explain everything. Um, and he said, or would he fit Williams' defense? Uh, the cap space right now, I believe, after all the signings, is right around thirty-five million. So you really have to look at the cap, and you can't just okay spend all thirty-five million right now in in free agency. Um, one, the rookie class is going to cost anywhere from like seven to ten million dollars. So let's just minus that down to let's say even being generous, let's say twenty-eight million dollars. Um, you minus that twenty-eight twenty million dollars. You want at least the very minimum. You probably want five to ten million dollars for in-season costs. Let's let's be generous again. Let's say the Jets have twenty-one million dollars. They still have to fill the roster with that twenty-one million dollars. Um, and they still have this have some, like I said, some of that backup money. Like, what if you spend all this money, and then a team wants to come in and, and give Robbie Anderson nine million dollars a year? Do you want to sign and resign Robbie Anderson for nine million dollars a year? You better have it, um, you know, available to you. Then still take into account the uh, the money they have to, you know, have to have for um, you know the draft class and in season costs. You know, if somebody gets injured, they just sign a backup guard, they just sign a backup receiver, um, whatever it, it may be. You need money. You can't just spend all thirty five million dollars. Of that $35 million being generous, you probably have maybe maybe 20 of it. So that $20 million has to fill that roster out and has to sign that player. So if Justin Houston wants to sign for $9 million a year, and then you can figure out a way to sign. I think the Jets probably at this point need to sign maybe like five, six more players to fill out the 53-man roster. So if you could sign Justin Houston for 10 and then you can use the, re- the remaining 10 or whatever to sign another five, six players, then, then, then by all means do it. But uh, – they can't. They have to be smart. They can't sign Houston, and they can't go out and, and get. I'm trying to think of a corner who's out there. Like let's just say Claiborne and uh, uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins. Like they can't sign all these guys. They don't really have as much money as people think that they do right now. Um, 
but and and in terms of Woody Fit Williams defense, you're gonna find you're gonna find a way to use a pass rusher. And uh, when I watched Greg Williams defense, you you notice a lot, or I notice a lot, of him using um, either down defensive linemen or like a like more of like a Miles Garrett type or outside linebackers as a wide nine tech. Like I talked about, if you watch the show on Greg Williams defense, he he likes to send different blitzes with wide nines to kind of separate the tackles and then really for, uh, you know force the interior of the offensive line to move. So. Um, I think Justin Houston would be one of those wide nine rushers, seven, seven tech, whatever it may be, um, where he's just one-on-one with the tackle, basically just taking the tackle out of that game. Um, and if you're just, if you're going to single team, Justin Houston, he's going to get some sacks. He's still, he still is a really, really good player. It's not, he's not an old player who might get five, six sacks. You put on the Jets defense for, with, with Greg Williams, the, the aggressiveness, all the blitzing that he does. And with some of the front, the, the town on the front seven, you're looking at, I think at least 11, 12 sacks in 16 games. That's, that's not even being like too generous. I think he, he'd shoot up to 14, 15. I, I really do think, I think he's still that good. So do you have that money to spend, you know, $10 million is probably low for him. He probably wants, you know, 12, $13 million in the next couple of years. Um, but that's a guess. So well, not a guess, kind of educated guess, but it still is a guess technically. Um, Hakeem Amir uh, at Hakeem Amir, who's been a longtime follower of both of me on Twitter when I did Jet Nation Radio. I guess, I guess he follows the show now. I, I haven't really heard from him too much, but he says, uh, love the TOJ uh, film room show, Joe. Do you believe Kalecchi Assembly will return to Pro Bowl form this year, knowing that he'll be blocking for Lev Bell and getting coached by Frank Pollock? Really excites me. Uh, yeah, it excites me too. I, th- I think if you had Kalecchi Assembly on the market this year, he'd probably be number one or two to Saffold, and that's depending on what kind of player you like. Um, they're a little bit different players, but he's, like I said, either one or two. So you're getting one of the best guards um, in free – or one of the best – would-be best guards in free agency market. You're trading a you know fifth for, for a sixth. It's really not that big of a deal. And then in Clutchio Assembly, obviously. Um, but looking at some of the tape, he is a mauler. He definitely has a lot of technique work that he needs. Uh, and apparently that you know Tom Cable switched up the blocking scheme a little bit last year where he was running more zone plays and more outside zone plays where Clutchio Assembly, he's more of a guy you want in a phone booth. You want him tight with guys, and that's when he's that's when he's going to physically dominate you. But when you ask him to move a lot in space, that's a little bit it's a little bit more concerning for me. Like a lot of people say, they like him in power. I like him in like power or man scheme when he has to like down block somebody or he has to kick somebody out who's right on the line of scrimmage. When you're if you're asking him to pull, uh, I, I think I think he his feet are a little bit clunky and I think he, he bends too much at the waist and you you see him kind of. Um, get tossed to the ground, not not like just like physically dominate and toss to the ground, but you see him like whiff on a lot of blocks where people are, you are, are allowed to use their athleticism against him because of some of the bad technique he, he takes in the secondary uh, or getting to the second level where you want to see, you know, more of him squaring up with guys and, and more shooting his hands from balanced space, but he, he's kind of leaning with a narrow base at times. Um, but apparently Tom Cable wasn't using him correctly. And Tom Cable has a history of coming in and, and just, everybody on the offensive line plays worse. So you're going from Tom Cable, one of the, if not the worst offensive line coach um, in the entire NFL to one of the, one of the, you know, considered one of the best in the NFL and Frank Pollock. Um, so I think he's going to clean up a lot of that technique. And he was battling injuries a lot last year. You, you, you see some problems. I think he had some toe problems. He had some knee problems and he's battling some of those injuries. I'm um, through like four or five weeks right now. Um, he has some flashes of brilliance. He has some times where you see, um, like, like, like I said, those bad, those bad technique flaws that, that I notice, and I'll highlight when I do that show. And I'll, I'll highlight them obviously when I do the, uh, the the Twitter review of him um, and and post it in a moment. But uh, I think just on the four, like the four or five games I watched so far, I still think he's at like almost that Pro Bowl level. Uh, it might have dipped a little bit. 
Um, but I, I feel like later in the season he was used at left tackle, at least that's what I heard. And he had a, a new left tackle playing next to him who's like a rookie who just sucked. So he, he had to compensate a lot for him. So I think you put him next to, you know, a better left tackle. Um, not, not, I'm not going to call him even average or above average, but somewhere right around average tackle and Kelvin Beecham, you give him a good offensive line coach. Um, I, th- I think he's going to get back to, to near that pro ball level. Uh, I do think he's going to be good. You know, are you are you measuring like uh, you know Pro Bowl versus very good? He just misses it. I'm fine with either, but I think he's going to be near that um, that level uh, again for sure. So, all right, had to pause it for there or for a second there. Um, one had to go to the bathroom, and two there was some Jets news that I'll get to later later in the podcast that I wanted to look up a little bit. Um, next question at Daniel Diffin, uh, comma M D or M dot D dot whatever period. Uh, at Hakun, Hakun Tornado, Hakun Tornado. I don't know. Um, which what should we do at center? Free agency, draft, or trade? Um, at this point, I, I, I'm going to hope for a trade. To to be completely honest, I think it's either one. It's either one. It's not all three. I think it's either you you sign a guy like Wisniewski or Jones or Sitton, and then you draft the guy. Uh, whether they trade down or with that third round pick, I think with that third round pick, you're looking at more needs probably depending on what they do at, at three. Um, you're looking at corner. You're looking at potentially receiver. You're looking at maybe tight end. You're looking at tight end. It's a really deep tight end class, actually, so you might get a really good tight end in round three. Um, or, you know, backup offensive lineman, potentially starting offensive lineman for the people to say, oh, well, you know, we don't have a center. Let's just draft the guy in the third round. That's the, when has McCagden shown you ability to draft consistently pass round one, you know? So I'm really going to bank on going into the, going into the draft. Um, and, and taking a guy, whether it be in the second or third round, because so not taking a guy, you know, at, at uh, obviously at the number three overall pick, there's probably only one, maybe two centers um, being, you know, worth taking in, in round one. And uh, so, so they're not going to take one of those guys. And they're more late, late round one guys. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But they need to definitely sign one of these guys. Um, if they're not going to trade, I'm, I'm hoping for Wisniewski. So I think he has the highest ceiling of all the guys that we're talking about. I think he's the most consistent guy that we're talking about. Um, and then you draft the guy, but I'm hoping for a trade. I don't, I don't know exactly who's going to be available um, in a trade, uh, who could really even predict the, the assembly trade. But if a team has a young center who's, who's up and coming and they have a more veteran guy, um, let's say a 29, 30-year-old guy, 31-year-old guy, when offensive linemen can go into their mid-30s and still be really, really effective as compared to receivers and running backs and outside linebackers and corners and things like that. Um, and maybe they want to get rid of that, that veteran guy who might be on a bigger contract because they have that younger guy who they have faith in. So I'm hoping they trade for somebody um, because I don't think the free agency and draft option is, is better than that. I want to get a plug-and-play guy right there. I don't necessarily want a young center who's going to be learning the game with Donald. I want a guy there um, with Donald who already knows the game, who can already call out coverages and formations and blitzers and things like that. Look how much Mangold helps Sanchez. People always say that. So um, I'm hoping that they that they do that the trade option because right now Mac has failed at center. We, we have to see what happens. He still has time. But as of right now, Jonathan Harrison is definitely not enough. Um, next question, Mike Marston at Mike underscore Marston underscore 10. Considering the, the moves um, made this far in free agency, would you prefer the, the Jets to remain remain at for Nick Bosa or Quentin Williams or trade down if result is an upper echelon athletic center? Um, upper echelon athletic center 
uh, and a dual threat tight end like TJ Hawkinson to pair pair with uh, Herndon. Um, I'm going to stay at three. Um, I think the I think the two guys like the, obviously if they're trading down and, and you're grabbing a tight end, you're talking about Fant or Hawkinson. But I think you're talking about dual threat. It's more Hawkinson than Fant. Than Fant. But my thing is. Um, my thing is with, with that is Adam Gase likes to run a ton of 11 personnel. And obviously yeah, you're going to adjust your offense to what, um, you know, uh, what your talent is. But if you're in 12 personnel, instead of 11 personnel, you're taking, you're not taking Le'Veon Bell off the field, you know, obviously. So you're taking, you're putting in Hawkinson and you have to take out Crowder. You have to take out a Noonwar, you have to take out, um, you know, Anderson, obviously sometimes we're going to run 12 personnel and do that. But if you're having a guy like Hawkins you want to run like primarily 12 personnel. So you're kind of substituting a talent for a talent the Jets already have. Um, so I'd rather than just stick with heavy 11 personnel. Uh, obviously, I want to back up tight end. It's not like I just want to roll with Jordan Leggett and, um, you know, and freaking, you know, what's his name? Uh, Tomlinson that they, that they re-signed. But uh, so you have to take that into into effect. And the upper, eth, you know, echelon athletic center, they might be draft, drafting in, in the end of round one. The middle of round one is much more of a risk than a guy like a Nick Bosa um, or a Quentin Williams. So I'm just going to take the blue chip player right there. The, the, the player I feel like is going to be a pro bowler consistently, a player who might be an all pro player. I think Quentin Williams is more of an all-pro potential type player than Nick Bosa is, to be completely honest. And I'll get into a lot of that when I start breaking them down and talk about them more. Um, Quentin Williams is my number one player on the board. It just it is what it is. Just watching his tape, how athletically dominant he is, how smart he is, and how technically sound he is. Um, I just don't think there's a match. Nick Bosa is also very, very technically sound. He converts speed to power very well. Um, but Nick Bosa has an athletic seat. Like he, his athletic ceiling is not as high as some of the dominant pass rushers that you see. He's he doesn't have a great first step. Um, he's athletic, but he's not uber athletic like a Chandler Jones or Von Miller or Khalil Mack. So he's going to win just like Joey does where they're not elite athletes, but they're technically sound. So, but that kind of has a, has a, has a ceiling, you know, where if they're playing a guy who is an athletic center, um, who's smart, how are you really going to, how are you really going to beat him with, with technique? You, you're not going to be able to beat really athletic and sound, uh, often, you know, upper echelon offensive alignment. So I see Nick Bosa as more of a guy who's going to dominate those, those bad tackles and those average tackles, you know, with technique and that speed to power. But when you play a really good tackle, I don't, I don't see him winning a lot where Quentin Williams, I think if he plays some of the best interior offensive linemen in the league, he could still win because he's technically sound and he's a freak. So, um, that's kind of my, my reasoning right there. So I'm, I'm staying at three. I'm taking either one of those guys, whoever falls. I don't think they'll, they'll both be there. If they are both there, uh, we'll get into that, into that question. Maybe that's a question for the next mailbag who, who I'm going to take. You know, I did just say Quinn Williams is number one on my board, but is he number one on my board and number one who I would take? Because there are some differences. Like, like I might rate TJ Hawkinson over whoever it may, may be. Let's say Montez Sweater, Cleveland Farrell. Now, would I take him over them? Maybe not. Maybe I would because of any importance of positional value. So, and, and for the Jets too. Like I, I'm doing my board just based on the players. Now, if I had to do my, my board based on what the Jets need, um, you know, that is, that is definitely, uh, you know, definitely a, a big question. So let's uh, go to the next one. Um, Casey Garcia at Garcia Jones, 13 center is freaking us out. Jonathan Harrison just signed him. Uh, so he's with us. How do you grade him? Is there any chance he's started caliber? Uh, got to think we'll sign a free agent or draft a center at some point. What are the best options? I, I just talked about this before. Um, the draft seems pretty deep with offensive linemen. So you're gonna have to grab, grab one in round three and sign one. That seems like the, the realistic possibility right now, like they're, they're going to bring in a Steven Wisniewski. 
um, Brett Jones or or Josh said, and that's my three guesses. And then they'll uh, they'll draft a guy in, in round three, round four, and then hopefully develop him behind Sitton or whoever it may be. Hopefully he takes a job right away. Um, if not, then maybe midseason, maybe next year you you have your starting center. But I'd rather just trade for a guy to be completely on center. It's also freaking me out. It's a, it's a, it's a huge need. And, and I'm going to get to another need later. But um, I know outside linebacker is a need, but center right now and corner is – they're they're both massive. They have to bring in they have to bring in people. I, I don't want Robert starting. But uh, moving moving on to the next question, I got your name right last time. I hope I don't butcher it this time. But uh, Neil um, Ramlakhan, 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 right? That's how I said it. Um, at Elvis Jets eighty five, um, thought on the Jets spending big on or I guess thoughts on the Jets spending big on Mozart. That was your typo or my typo? Um, necessary for Greg's defense or luxury over what the Jets already have. Um, listen, the Jets already upgraded. I think they're going to trade Darren Lee or Daron Lee, whatever you want to say it. Um, and you're getting you're getting a player who I believe is the third best inside linebacker in the league. I'm, I'm putting Keekley at one. I'm, put, I'm putting um, Bobby Wagner probably at two. Uh, you can argue for Mosley there. I'm probably putting Mosley at three. So you're getting one of the top three inside linebackers in the entire league. The Jets, you need those all pro to pro ball um level talents listen the Jets had one last year and I know Don I think Donald will be a pro bowl level talent but last year you had one on your entire team and obviously you know there's there's more team building and and coaching and things like that but you need at least five six seven type pro bowl type players to, to win a Super Bowl and people might say oh the Patriots the Patriots just they don't exist in this conversation uh they, it's a completely different story look at look at the Rams we have Marcus Peters who's a pro bowl level player even though he struggled last year Keen Tlaib's one of the best corners in the league you have um Gurley, you have you have Sue, you have Donald. You need you need a lot of you need Pro Bowl level uh, players. So uh, to bring in probably an All Pro level player, one of the best inside linebackers in the league, um, I am completely fine with that. Um, and then you also said necessary for Greg's defense or luxury over the Jets already have. Uh, getting up, getting that all, that that talent at any positions is going to help the defense. It's not a, it's not a luxury because they they didn't have that. Now. If he was like an average level player, you have him, Lee, and Avery Williamson. You're looking at it maybe like, okay, it's a luxury. Why did they, why did they bring that? He, he kind of brings the same skill set as Lee, or is on that level, but he's not. He's he's an all around, um, you know, really really good inside linebacker. Uh, and Greg Williams also likes the versatility and athleticism in his defense. A lot of stunts, a lot of uh, you know, uh, pressing the line of scrimmage, and then peeling off linebackers um, into coverage. He's a really athletic guy, so he can stunt. He can, um, you know do uh, dog blitzes with another middle linebacker. He can drop into coverage. He can cover tight ends. He can cover running backs. So it gives him a lot of versatility that he didn't, you know, have before. And Lee can do some of those things, kind of, but he also can't sit in a box and take on offensive linemen and get tackles. So um, it's not just like a like luxury piece that they, that they didn't need. Uh, he's, he's a fantastic player. So trade Lee, get him out of here most likely, especially if they're running a, if they're running a more of a 4-3. I could see them keeping Lee more than I could if they're running more of a three-four because three-four where is he going to fit? You have the two, you have the two inside linebackers and the two outside linebackers are in a four-three. You can put Lee, you know, at the, at the weak side linebacker um, at the will, and he could operate more. You know, he could operate better there. But in a three-four, you're kind of be forcing three linebackers into there. So I think they're going to trade trade up. You know, Lee, who at the maybe you want to sign him and see what he could do for for the next year and then maybe you get more draft compensation but you can't just try to throw him in and fit him into the defense he's probably wasn't gonna get a second contract anywhere uh, you know uh, or he wasn't probably gonna get a second contract anyway so you're getting a 
pro bowl level, all pro level player for the next four or five years uh, to add to that defense. Now you have two all pro level players on that defense instead of just one. That makes it obviously a huge difference. Uh, the Jets have a, have a good inside linebacker core now with him and Avery Williamson. And if they do keep Lee, obviously he had some flexibility to what uh, Greg Williams can do. Uh, Gray at Gray2820. Um, what do you think the Jets should do about opposite corner position? They re-signed Daryl Roberts, but I don't know if he can, if he can be a consistent starter despite some success he had filling in last season. I'm unsure about the draft. Um, right now I'm looking at guys like Darquette, Darquez Denard. I know he played a little bit of slot corner, a lot of bit of slot corner with the, uh, with the Bengals, but I think he's big enough to play outside. I liked him at Michigan State a lot. I probably liked him a little bit too much, but that's when I wasn't like really too, too into film. I kind of just watched highlights and stuff like 95% of Jets fans do, but I, I did like him. I'm a Michigan, uh, Michigan State fan, so I saw him a little bit more than other people did. So I liked him a lot. I thought he was physical, good press corner, some good athleticism for his size. He was a hard hitter. Um, so I, I liked him and if you're going to bring him in, uh, have him compete for that second corner, you know, spot with, uh, Dow Roberts, I would like that, or even bring back Claiborne at this point. Listen, I, I think Claiborne struggled a lot last year. And if you've been watching the show since the, since it's start, since it's birth or since the season, you know, that me and Marcus picked apart Claiborne, but I still think I'd rather have him or I know I'd rather have him and I'd feel more comfortable with him over a guy like Dow Roberts. Um, because in the draft, listen, they're not drafting a corner at three. I wouldn't draft a corner in the top 10. I might not draft one of these corners in the top 15. I like greedy to a certain extent, but his softness uh, worries me. I think Byron Murphy, um, is really interesting athletically. He's a little bit smaller, and he freaking he bailed like ninety percent of his snaps. I'm, I might be exaggerating a little bit there, but he played a very certain style um, in, in college that I didn't necessarily think it's not going to translate very well to the NFL. So I think he might have some growing pains, and he might not be big enough. He's a really athletic freak, but um, maybe he's more of like a slot corner. We'll, we'll see. Um, but so I think it's it's Tarquez Leonard. It's it's. Uh, it's bringing back Morris Claiborne and then most likely drafting a guy, you know, third, third, fourth round add, to add some depth. Um, but they're not going to fill every hole this, this season. It just is what it is. That's why they're not going to be like a, maybe they're a playoff team, but maybe they're a playoff team who gets bounced in, in the wild card, maybe gets bounced in the divisional round, but uh, they, they still have too many holes, I think. And uh, to, to be that, that Super Bowl contender, that's hopefully what they did, what they address next year. So they can uh, compete for that Super Bowl. Uh, next question, CP7NY at uh, C Piazza. Uh, P, 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 I, I don't know how to say that. C-P-I-Z-Z-A-I-A. Um, nobody talks about this, but uh, what do the Jets do at backup quarterback? Is Webb the answer? Do they look for another veteran? Um, obviously, you know, you hope Webb is, is some sort of an answer because he's a, he's a young quarterback who was drafted in the mid-round. So if he can grow with Sam and know the system, that's great. Um but at the same time, they're, they're most likely going to look to add a, a veteran quarterback. Um, I, think, I think Matt Moore would be a really, really good option. Um, Matt Castle, Brian Hoyer, Chase Daniel are all options. Uh, Matt Moore would probably be the best one out of those guys. Um, but, yeah, obviously if Webb took that big of a step and you just have to play, you know, you just have to have Webb and Donald on the roster, that, that's great. That's an extra roster spot for another outside linebacker, special team, or whatever it may be. But I don't think he is necessarily the answer. Um, but – at the same time, a veteran guy can help, uh, you know, Sam Donald learn and grow. And a lot of people might say, oh, you know, well, they, they suck. What can they help them with? They can still help them with film study and things like that. You can, you can help a lot of a guy with off-the-field stuff, how to handle the locker room, how to watch film. A lot of guys know how to watch film, and then they go onto the field and they just shit the bed because it's a different game. So if you can help them off the field, that, that's great. Um, but the Jets did just sign, uh, like I said, I'm talking about later, but they, they did sign Trevor Simeon, so we'll get into that. So that's 
that's the, the quarterback depth chart right now, most likely going into the season. Um, it's either Donald and Simeon or it's Donald, Simeon, and, and Webb, or maybe they can knock Webb back down to the practice squad again because you don't really want to give three spots to quarterbacks. Um, so like a couple of years ago, the Jets had like, um, was it Fitzpatrick, Geno, Hackenberg, and Petty? Like, thank, thank God we're done with talking about that stuff. Um, next question, Matt Millen uh, at – yeah, sorry. Did I screw this up? Matt is your handle at Matt Millen, but your name is Mike Millen. One, I, I could have screwed that up, but uh, that's what I have down. Um, which areas of Darnold's game do you think he, he needs to, to uh, need the most improvement before he takes the next step? Uh, as it as it were, as it were, as if where maybe. Um, some things I wrote down and I, listen, if he plays like he did in, in, against the Packers and Texans, there's really, there's really not much he has to improve on because there's going to be some plays. There's some bad plays that Tom Brady made in his primes. So you're not going to get every single play. That's perfect. Um, but just overall from what I saw and what I, what I thought of first when, um, when I watched it or when I got this question was, I think he needs to trust his eyes a little bit more. There's sometimes where he hesitates on some throws and then that window disappears. So I, I think trusting your eyes, I think he has to not panic where there are times where you see some violent head whips back and forth trying to read both sides of the field where I would like more of a, more of a smooth um, scan of, of the field. So, so trust your eyes, not panic. I think it's footwork is something that's going to be with him forever, but obviously if you can improve in that footwork where if you watch a show, he steps in that bucket. Uh, I'm not going to explain stepping in the bucket to you because shame on you for not watching the show uh, during the season, but I'm sure during the season it'll happen again. And when I look, take some look at film of Donald, it'll come up. I, th- I think footwork. Um, there's times where you look for the big play a little bit too much. There's some times where I want him to just take what's there. When you see something open, just hit it instead of trying to roll out, um, you know, take a hit and, and throw the ball, uh, which includes throwing the ball away. It's something I, need to, I think you need to do more like on that play that comes to mind at the end of the season on the versus the Bills week. Week 14 was the Bills game. Yeah, I think it was week 14. So then he played the Texans, then the Packers, and then the Patriots, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but there's that time where he's rolling out to the right sideline and just chucks the ball up, and then it's an interception for him where he would have had like a perfect game, but he just decided to chuck the ball up. So I think, I think just taking what's there, um, throwing the ball away when, when he has to, um, trusting his eyes, not panicking, footwork. Um, there's some times where you want to see you make some more effective pre and post snap reads, um, and some more efficient reads. Uh, but this is—he's a 21-year-old quarterback, so there's definitely going to be some things he can he can improve on. But like I said, if pretty much at the end of the year, if he play if he play like like as he did at the end of the year um, versus the Texans and the Bills, he's already a top five quarterback in those games. He was he was absolutely amazing. Um, but some of those things would, would help him, uh, you know, to, to improving to be that, that quarterback, that upper echelon quarterback. And those are some things I think he struggled with, um, you know, in his rookie year. Uh, Michael Christopher at Big Dogs with a Z. One, have you watched any of the Oklahoma offensive linemen in terms of draft? Their best prospect, uh, prospect was a freshman center, but Evans and Powers and the other on that line have to be in serious, uh, serious consideration for the Jets in round three. Um, do you like any of them and what linemen in round three? Um, well, the best guy on their offensive line is, is Cody Ford. Uh, you're looking at a guy, good good size, good speed. He's an athlete. I think he can play guard. He'll probably play guard in the NFL. Uh, I don't think it's a technique for an offensive tackle, uh, but good, good movement um for his size uh like i said i think he needs a lot of technique work so i think he's the best guy he's probably going to go anywhere from like 20 to 30 i've watched a little bit of him um and it's like i said probably in the in the late first round uh maybe the high teens because some of the draft stuff is just it just happens weirdly at times 
Um, and the other guys, I haven't watched them. I, I would be lying and I would be looking up scouting reports of guys who I don't really know about, which I do, I do not do. I, everything I say, I'm going to watch them for myself. Um, so I haven't watched those guys. And as you know, with this, uh, with the free agency and all the film I'm doing and the first round guys and writing down all those strengths and weaknesses and recording plays uh, for upcoming shows, I don't have time to watch second and third round guys right now. It's, it's just impossible with watching the NFL and college football at the same time. Like, listen, if I was just a draft guy, I'd probably be three rounds deep right now. But the fact that I'm a draft, I'm, I'm doing draft and I'm doing NFL, it's, it's a hard thing to, to manage and watch three rounds of guys. So I, I probably have a good knowledge of like the first round, like two rounds of guys. But listen, once the Jets draft a guy, if they do, uh, well, I'm sure they're going to draft a guy. But if they draft a guy, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, I'm going to do film reviews or, or get the, do the best I can to get that, uh, that film out to you guys and break it down on Twitter and on the show. But uh, no, I haven't watched those guys, but I have watched Cody Ford, uh, who's a really, really good prospect and you know, guy who deserves to be picked in the first round, in my opinion. Um, next question from Jim D at Jim Duel one six two eight seven eight zero eight. What can you miss? I missed the second, the, the, the third number. Um, would love the Jets to take a shot on Tyler Eifert, but they seem to shy away from most free agents who have, have injuries like Paradis, Darby, and Callahan. You're right, they have. Um, do you think he's worth a one-year shot to team up with Herndon? Also, what would be your choice of beverage on St. Paddy's Day? Um, so, yeah, obviously they've shot away a little bit from uh, – and I see people are starting to get the uh, – I, I got a question about, like, what was my favorite sandwich on Twitter or YouTube the other day, and I'm getting some questions about beer and stuff like that. I, I like those questions. Get to know me a little bit more. Maybe you're going to hate the uh, the uh, beer I drink, and you're not going to listen anymore. But Tyler, after he got signed back with the uh, Bengals, this, this question was like four or five, six days ago, whatever it was. Um, but he got signed back. But that's the guy I said I was interested in. Listen, he's, he's a guy who, when he was healthy, and the Jets have that good medical staff, uh, who was, in my opinion, the top five tight end in the league for that, for that two, two or three years, maybe. Maybe it was only two years we really dominated. I haven't looked at the stats. Um, but taking him as a second tight end, um, I think it would be a smart thing. Obviously, it's, it's not realistic any, anymore. Um, and what will be your choice of beverage on St. Patty's Day? Because it already happened, I can tell you what I drank on St. Patty's Day. And also, Austin Severian Jenkins is a guy I think they might be interested in bringing back. I, I think Austin Severian Jenkins is your number two when you do have 12 personnel, like a, like a, a 12 personnel set you want to pass out of. I think Austin Severian Jenkins would be a good, great option. Um, if you're going to run out of 12 personnel, I don't think he's the best option, but he could still block, you know, relatively well. You're going to want him blocking on the strong side, on the running side of the play, the play side. No, not necessarily, but you know, can he just cut, you know, uh, cut block or cut off block a backside defensive end outside linebacker? Yeah, most likely. Um, but my, my beverage of choice was, was I drank vodka and sodas because I've been, you know, I've been good with my diet and uh, beer is a lot of cal- you know, calories, even though I know vodka turns into uh, sugar as well. Any alcohol does, but I had vodka and sodas at this place. I had a uh, thing for, it was, it was an hour. My guy, my buddy knew this this guy who got his wristbands, and we got a uh, two dollar drinks for an hour. So drank a lot of vodka sodas, and then we had some Heinekens, um, and then we had some moonshine. And then the moonshine tasted like freaking candy, like it was dangerous. So we had a lot of moonshine, and then uh, we went to this bar. We have a shot wheel. You spin the shot wheel. You take whatever shot comes out. Um, so. It was an interesting night. I was hurting a little bit for work the next day, but it was definitely a good time. Uh, Kyle at KD underscore Jets underscore five. Um, what's something you wish other fan bases uh, knew about the Jets that usually can get overlooked because we are perceived as a laughing stock? To be completely honest, I, I really do not care what other fans think because there's already Jets fans who don't know what they're talking about. And I'm not trying to be a dick. There's like 90% of people I, I, I wish I, you know, not, actually, I don't follow a lot of people, but. 
Um, if I could, I would follow like 10 people because even some of the people I follow who just some of the stuff they say is just such an uneducated or, um, uh, opinion that's not based on real film watching. So, uh, I, I don't really even care what a lot of Jets fans think to be completely honest. Um, there's maybe like one, two or three. Um, but, so for other fans that care about the Jets and say something about the Jets, I know I have no idea what they're talking about, so I don't really care. Um, but the only thing I, I think that annoys me a little bit is you see people you know, crapping on Donald and they say that he's a bad quarterback and he's a shit quarterback. And you know, what are you guys laughing at Lamar Jackson for Sam Donald's quarterback? If you really understood what Sam Donald did last year with what was around him and what he did at the end of the, end of the year, you, you would know how good he's going to be. You wouldn't be saying that stuff unless you're just a, a troll, which a lot of people are anyway. They're just looking to, to get a rise out of somebody um, because they're lonely in their life and don't have any friends. But, um, yeah, I guess it's just if uh, they knew how good Sam Donald really was. Because that, that annoys me a little bit. Like, you know, T.O. moment, like, don't attack my quarterback. Uh, I wish I could just dump gifts on him all day. But, unfortunately, I have more things to do because I do have, you know, a girlfriend and a job and a family and friends that I need to talk to and hang out with while doing all this freaking film. Um, I think my friends are going to leave me. My girlfriend's probably going to leave me, too, with all this crap I've been doing. Um Let's see, Bill Mon Moni zero two. What's your scorching hot take for the upcoming season, statistic wise, for a player or for the whole team, or for the team as a whole? This is definitely a better question for a hot takey podcast. Uh, but he said, "Lol, have fun with it." Uh, LOL, lol, whatever you want to say. Um, because it has to be hot. I, I wrote down Jets finished top fifteen in defense, which I think is realistic if they add another corner. If you had Claiborne or a guy like Denard and they play well, if if you see more of seventeen version of Claiborne. Um, and instead of 18 version of Claiborne, and then you draft Nick Bosa, Quentin Williams, that front seven's really, really good. Um, already, you're looking at Avery Williamson, CJ Mosley, Jordan Jenkins, who I think is a, a decent, uh, strong side outside linebacker. Um, he's not great, but I, I, think he's a, I think he's a little bit underrated. I'd say that a little bit. Um, they still didn't have a hole at the pass rusher, but looking at the defensive line, you know, Leo Williams, Henry Anderson, Steve McClendon, if you add, like I said, Nick Bosa or Quinn Williams to that, I think that's a very good front seven. Uh, if you're looking at the secondary with guys like May, if he's healthy, you're looking at Jamal Adams, uh, who's going to be an all-pro player again. You're looking at Tremaine Johnson, who played better with the Rams under Greg Williams, so I, th- I think he's going to be a top-20 type guy again. Um, if you're looking at Brian Poole, he lives up to his potential, and you get, you get another guy. I think this could be a top-15 unit, so I think they finished – top 15 in defense and they finished top 15 in offense um the offensive line is going to be a problem but you're looking at the playmakers they have the fun you can have like listen they don't have a calvin johnson julio jones aj green or whoever it may be you never know they might trade for an aj green or whoever it may be um a top echelon guy which i don't see them doing because they already have you know a decent amount of guys but you you can do a lot with with Crowder with Crowder Anunua, and and Anderson and Le'Veon Bell with Chris Herndon. That's five guys who I think are above average. And you know, obviously with Herndon, he could be a guy who I think fans already think he's like a top ten tight end, which he might be. Um, Anderson, who's one of the best deep threats of the entire NFL. I think uh, if you really look at it, Anunua is one of the most versatile guys uh, I've receiver in the NFL in terms of his blocking, playing H back, uh, running after the catch, making contested catches. He's a, he's a, he's not top flight guy but he's he, in terms of being all around type player he's one of the best in the nfl and then you're looking at a top slot guy in the nfl the jets have a lot on offense at the skill positions now and you have to like that if they can adjust the offensive line a little bit i think they could easily be top 15 especially when you when you factor in adam gase and his offense i think he is a good offensive mind um and then for player stat let's say sam Darnold. the jets the jets finished 10 and 6 sam Darnold throws 28 touchdowns 11 touch uh, 11 interceptions that's, that's my bold prediction very, very bold. Now, would I predict that stuff, all that stuff if I had, if I was betting my house on it? No, but 
to be bold. I think that's like a bold but relatively possible um, type of thing that can happen. Uh, next, at question 17. I think we have 25 questions. Andre Morton picks at Andre Morton picks. I don't, okay. Um, I, for whatever reason, my slowest, I thought like Andre Roberts, because like a big Andre Robertson, but I guess your name is actually Andre Morton. Um, but Andre Morton picks. Uh, who are the best options at center left in free agency in the draft? Um, and should they sign a free agent as well as a draft for a future position? I already said this. Steven was, uh, was Niski, uh, I think it actually is. Um, Brett Jones, John Sullivan, uh, Josh Shitton uh, are guys who they're probably looking to sign. I hope they trade for somebody. And then you're looking at a guy like the end of the, the first round, maybe in the low 20s, uh, Garrett Bradbury seems to be the guy who's, who's going to be the top center off the board. So they were to trade down, they grabbed him at, at – at, you know, 21 overall, great. Because if they're one, well, if they're trading down from three to 21, they're getting a crap load of picks, which I don't necessarily I, I like it if they had a better GM. Um, but I'm still one of those guys I want to stay at three and then hopefully trade for a center and then sign a corner. Um, maybe Justin Houston. If they can fit like Justin Houston in a, in a decent corner in here, I definitely like it, even though there's going to be some positions, like I said, that they're a little bit weak at or have some holes that it's just going to happen. They can't fix a, a, a freaking four and 12 roster in one year. It's just not possible, even with $100 million in cap space. Um, Alex V at uh, this is Alex. I think your next one is Varello, Varello, whatever, whatever it is. But I think uh, you're the you're the guy who always called into uh, Jet Nation Radio. I don't, obviously, I don't do call anymore because you know it's a film show. It'd be too long, but uh, appreciate you and uh, I know you are very interactive on Twitter. I saw you at practice the one time. I don't know if I'm going to Jets camp anymore. To be completely honest, Alex, if you're there. Listen, I like I love it that first day, that second day. It's like really fun to go out and see the players. Like, I'm gonna have to go at least once or twice to see like Jamal Adams and Le'Veon Bell and all the new guys. But driving back at five o'clock from Florham Park to to the, the beach area where I live is to, it takes like two three hours sometimes for a drive that's forty five minutes to an hour. And really, we look at all these camp stories like like freaking Chad Hansen or this guy or that guy. When, when camp is, is over and done with, none of it matters. So you're wasting hours and hours and hours a week for, for something that means absolutely nothing a week or two after. Um, what you can kind of say, I guess, about anything I'm doing right now, that this is not going to matter in two years, whatever. But uh, uh, I, might, I might go to less, less uh, games but our, our camp uh, days or whatever. But uh, I'll probably do it at least for like an Instagram live or two or a show or two about it. But he says, um, what's your personal choice of beer, IPA, or regular draft or bottle? Um, I, I'm not a big guy on IPAs, but if I had to choose an IPA, uh, Lagunitas is, is, a, is an IPA I like, um, for regular beers. I like, like darker German beers is definitely, is definitely my style. Um, there's one called, uh, it's in a white, it's like white, uh, package and, uh, there's a white label around it. It's called, uh, called, I think it's called like Heisen was cyber or Heffen, Heffen was cyber, Heisen was cyber, whatever it is, it's really good. Uh, Paul knows another German beer. I really like Spotten's another good dark beer. Any kind of like Dunkel. I, I, I really like, I like, you know, I like wheats. I like lagers. Uh, I like, you know, uh, what's the, uh, fat tires are really good beer for, for me as, as well. You're talking about like more common beers. Uh, like when I'm going out to a restaurant, like I don't know what they have, or I can't see their menu. I'm usually going to try for, for a Yingling or a Heineken. Or maybe Fat Tower is a little bit more popular as well now. Um, now, if I'm at a Jets game and I crack my first beer at 8.01 in the morning, me, me and my friends have a tradition. It's like, I guess it's like a trashy Jersey thing or a New York thing, whatever. Um, but the first, as soon as you get there at 8.01 in the morning to get that, you drink a beer at 8 o'clock in the morning, just after you have eggs, it's not the best taste in the world. Um, so right away, we're either taking a shot of something or we're chugging a beer. And if I'm drinking beers that early in the morning, I'm, I'm most likely going to do a Miller Lite, more of a lighter beer. Um, I don't really like like the Coors Light, Bud Lights, any of those. But if I have to drink one, it's, it's Miller Lite in the morning at Jets games. 
Um, and I guess for bottle or, or draft, I'm going to drink bottle. Uh, depends on the situation. Bottle, like a Jets game, because it's, it's harder to spill. But if I'm sitting down at dinner or if a bottle, if like I'm at a Jets game, bar, wherever you can get bumped into, um, because people always bump into you at bars. It's like my freaking sh- like going out shoes are all sticky all the time. I always got to clean them. Uh, but if you're like sitting down for dinner, I, I, I like draft more. I like it like the, 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 the uh, beer to breathe a little bit more. Um, and that is a thing. So next question. I appreciate the question. No, that's a, that's a fun question to, to answer. Um, Anthony Skiglitano, Anthony Skig, 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 uh, I think that's your name. I don't know. At A S or A Skiglitano one. Um, how does Quinn Williams compare to Aaron Donald as a prospect? Um, I just started doing this like really heavy draft and film stuff. I like, even just understand like, like people like can watch and think they know what they're watching, but to really understand what you're watching, like the, it's only like the last like two, three years. Like, I had a good knowledge three, four, five years ago, but it wasn't like now. Um, so did I really like scout Aaron Donald? No. Um, but just looking at him um, in college and knowing what I knew of him and watching him in the NFL, uh, obviously Donald, Donald was the, was the 13 uh, overall pick. Uh, Quentin Williams, I think you can argue for him at one, two, three, four, five. If, if he drops at the top five, I think that's absurd to be completely honest. Um, but Donald was more of an, you know, an elite athlete. Um, but he wasn't as technically refined as, as he is now. Um, even though I, I do think Donald is more athletic than, than uh, Quentin Williams, I think in college, I'm talking about in college. Uh, like I said, he, he was a really, really good athlete, not as technically refined. And uh, not as powerful, but he obviously increased the power. He's one of the best technicians in the NFL now. Where Quinton Williams was a little bit more powerful and more technically refined. Um, at the at this point, in our young age, people are like, "Oh my God, you're crazy!" I'm talking about. You're, he he asked the question as prospects. There's a reason that Donald was 13 overall pick, and Q is going to be number one, two, or three. And if you're, if you're talking about Q versus Donald, like Q in college and Donald, you know, now it's a different question, but he's asking it as prospects. So don't get your pennies in a bunch. I know that might be like, Oh my God, you're crazy. Um, but I, th- I think, I think, I, I legitimately think that Quentin Williams is going to be the number two. And this is, this might be, a, this is a bold take, you know, cause there's a lot of things that can happen. But I think Quentin Williams is going to be the second best interior defensive lineman in, in two, three years. I think he's only going to be below Aaron Donald. Cause Aaron Donald is a generational type player. I think Q might be a generation player, but he doesn't have that athleticism that, that uh, Donald has, where he's just a freak in terms of strength and that speed. Where, listen, Q is a beast too, but uh, he doesn't have like that straight line athleticism that uh, Donald has. He might not make as many plays in the backfield. So I, th- I think he's literally going to be the, the second best defensive lineman in the league, though, or uh, interior defensive lineman uh, in a couple of years. I, I am that high on him. Uh, next question Sun, Moon, Rise, 31. Um, at Sun, Moon, Rise, Sun, Moon, Rise, 31. Uh, Mosley said to be vulnerable in terms of coverage. How would the Jets answer if opponents trying, uh, if the opponents try, trying to try to spread? I had to have typed that wrong. Trying to try to spread the Jets um, with what they have on their roster right now. Um, love to sit, watch, and learn from your tape analysis. Great work from from you. Um, I, I answer this on. I I already answered this guy on 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 Twitter. Um, Mosley is good in coverage. Uh, he moves well. He opens his hips well. He's fluid. He takes good angles and angles. He stays balanced. Um, he has good stop start ability. He's good at reading patterns. He, he knows that if, if there's a guy crossing short, there's most likely going to be a guy behind him intermediate to deep. He can carry seams and then jump on a shorter routes. He's very, very good in coverage. He has good athleticism. He has good knowledge. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's, it, 
you there's there has to be like a page of all of pro football focuses blunders because they rate guys highly who shouldn't be rated highly they they mark down stats that shouldn't be marked down as stats like okay let's let's just like i've said this before let's look at the most basic example sam Darnold throws a slant hits robbie anderson right in the hands uh robbie anderson drops the ball it's an incompletion for Darnold. so if you looked at it you'd be like oh it's an incompletion wasn't a good play but do they, but they they factor that into the numbers as an incompletion, and they don't they don't measure stuff. They don't they don't from from what I've seen from them, when they put out stuff. They don't know what they're watching. Now let's say it's a drive concept, okay? So you have two guys. You have you have. I think you can see me on the screen. I I, I put my I put this this freaking thing over me so I don't have to watch myself. Okay, so you can see this. So you you have a guy close to the line of scrimmage. You have a, you have another guy can be on, off. He's probably off the line of scrimmage. That guy on the line of scrimmage tied to the quarterback is going to run like a twelve to fifteen yard dig. And then the guy underneath is going to run a, a, a short drag. Mosley will pick up that guy who's running that deep dig um, instead of linebackers who will typically, anything they see in front of them, they're going to jump on. Where a typical linebacker is going to carry that a little bit and then jump right on that, right on that, um, right on that uh, drag. And then there will be a 15 yard completion behind them where Mosley is one of those players who's going to carry um, that, that dig. The entire time, or he's going to, or he's going to carry it enough to, to give enough time to pass it off to the to the safety, whoever may be there, um, and then rally and make the tackle for three, four, five yards on that, on that short drag, snag, whatever it may be. So, are they going to mark that as a completion? Okay, well, it's a completion. It's a five-yard completion against against Moser. That looks bad, right? Okay, yeah, it, it's a bad play. Mark him for a negative, and then uh, he he gets hit with that. But in reality, because he carried that that uh, that deeper dig. Um, that would be a 15-yard completion. He let up a, a, a four-yard completion. So, you re- would you rather have a four-yard completion um, or a 15-yard completion for, for a dig? So, I think they don't they don't watch film. They don't know that stuff. I know they don't know that stuff unless there's like a very few guys who do, but not who marks down all these grades. I see the crap grades all the time. I do not rely on them. Anybody? There's people who literally their first thing they talk about a player. Mosley, ah, oh, you know, good player. He was rated an 84 uh, by Pro Football Focus, but he's rated bad in coverage. Oh, you know, Quinn Williams. Yeah, he's rated 79 by Pro Football Focus. You know, people talk about Pro Football Focus as their argument, and, and, and that's the basis of their argument for arguments. I, I, I'm done with you. If you base your, all your arguments on stats and Pro Football Focus because you can't watch them for yourself and what you're talking about, you're, you're, you're done to me. That, that's, I'm being completely honest. Um, but they're not looking at concepts like drive or, or cab or, or spin or whatever it may be. They don't look at that stuff. They don't know what that stuff is, in my opinion. Um, so how can you grade a player when you don't know what you're watching? I, 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 that, I think that's the dumbest narrative. And I know I'm going to hear that from from because what happens is one people one person tweets out pro football focus stat, and everybody, because they don't, 99% of people don't know what they're watching or know how to watch film, I might be sounding a dick, but it is what it is, they take that opinion of, of pro football focus, and that's their opinion. doesn't even matter. That, that's it automatically what they think and they'll argue with you until the cows come home because they saw Pro Bowl fo- uh, Focus says that. So I know from now all the way into the season, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have people ask me questions about Mosley's coverage. And I, I've already sent out tweets. I've, I sent like eight plays of him the other day, and multiple of them were already showing his, his uh, ability and coverage. So that's stupid. If you're listening to the show and you trust me, which I think you know most people who listen do, don't believe that crap. He, he might not be elite. He's not, he's not key clean coverage, but I, I, he's an above-average coverage linebacker. Um, so that's crap. I, I hated that. I had to answer him on Twitter because I got annoyed when he even asked me. Um, Peter, next question, at Peter Frenna, or sorry, Peter Frenna, at Peter underscore Frenna. What's the difference in impact uh, on the Jets if they pick Williams, Bosa, or Allen uh, in year one? So you're basically asking the impact of, of Williams, Bosa, and Allen in, in year one. Um, 
I think Williams, uh, Quentin Williams, doesn't have an immediate impact on on, on day one. Uh, he's he's already a monster. Um, he's already really really technically refined. So I think he's gonna make an immediate impact. Um, Bosa, I think, will have an impact. He might be he might come out a little bit slower. Maybe his first season is eight, nine, ten sacks, or maybe even eight, nine sacks, because I think he's gonna have some time. One, coming back from his injury, he hasn't played football in a while, and two. He wins a lot, like I said, with technique and some power. So I think he's have some time adjusting to, to NFL offensive tackles. Who um, he might need to, need to really either, even though his technique's already pretty clean, but he might have to hone in on his technique even more and figure out the offensive linemen in the NFL more. So I think he's going to have more of a slow adjustment, still be very good in year one. And then um, I think Allen, who could have a massive, he's he's so I think that Allen has a higher ceiling than Bosa. Um, I think he has the ability to, to be a 16, 17, 18 sack, you know, for a couple of years guy. But at the same time with Allen, um, because of his technique and, and some of the lack of moves and counters and, and speed to power, I think he can also be a guy who ends up like a, like a Deion Jordan minus all the problems or one of these guys who always has athletic, you know, athleticism and athletic ability, but it, uh, has a lower floor. So I think that's why he's looked at um, – in a, in a worse way, but I think he comes out the slowest in year one because he's going to have to have time to to adjust to, to, to NFL offensive linemen as well, but he's going to have to adjust his own game where Bosa is already good at what he's good at. I don't think he's going to develop much more in terms of moves and stuff like that, maybe like technically refining them, but Allen is such a he's such a piece of clay right now with his athleticism and you know learning how to counter and what counters work for him and learning an inside spin and an outside spin and, and uh, hand fighting a little bit more and better hand placement and and not uh, oversetting, um, you know, the tackle or tight end on uh, run plays or staying backside. Like he has a lot of things he has to he has to adjust to and learn. So I think he's the guy who's going to have the worst season at first, um, depending on coaching too. But I think he has a really really high ceiling. Where Bosa, I, th- I feel like, is a safe like nine, ten, eleven, twelve year uh, or twelve sack a year guy, but because of his lack of like and you're going to uh, probably people will probably be like, Oh, you're crazy. I can show you on film. Like he has a good first step. He does not have an elite first step. He he's not Von Miller. He's not Chandler Jones. He's not one of those guys, both Joey and Nick win with technique, not with athleticism. Take technique can take you very far, but it can't take you all the way there to be one of those 20, 21, 18, 17, 19 sacks uh, guys. So um, I guess that's kind of the opinion. Uh, Justin at jo- uh, recognize Rousey. Um, with the Jets' issues with run blocking and it looking like they're going to keep, you know, three-fifths – no, he didn't say you know, that's what I said uh, – keep three-fifths of the starting O-line from last year. How do you think that affects Bell? Do you think Bell's patience will help her offensive line? Um, yeah, obviously it's going to help the offensive line look better because Bell, Bell will use them – even if they're in really piss-poor position, he'll use them as a – as like a decoy, as a body, like as a, as like a freaking one of those like cones. Like, okay, well, if, if, if Brandon Shell is trying to get to the outside to, to, to kick, to, to kick out an outside linebacker, but he's too slow where he can't get there. Bell will, that will hesitate, 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 maybe push outside a little bit and then burst upfield or vice versa with inside versus outside. He's going to use them. Even if they, even if they didn't have hands, he'll use them. Um, and his patience to set them up just as a decoy, just literally as a physical barrier. Even if they don't get hands-on, he's going to use them and make them look better than they are. But at the same time, with our offensive line versus the, the Steelers' offensive line, where there was the, the Steelers did run some plays that helped his patience, and sometimes they, they ran plays where you have to hit the hole right away, whether it be power, power or counters a little bit more slow developing. Uh, draw is more of a play for patience. But there were some plays where they ran plays where you're going to have to hit the hole right away 
and he was still able to use patience because they were there. They held their blocks and they were good at it. Now with the jets, if you're running zone, it's like that. Yeah. Patience is great or counters or, uh, draws. But if you're running more of like ISO type plays, um, power type plays, you have to hit those holes quickly. And with the jets, you have to hit those holes more quickly because they're not going to open and be, be, uh, you know, be, um, you know, open for as long. So yeah, it's going to help them. It's going to make them look better. But at the same time, he might have to be a little bit less patient than he was with the Steelers. But hopefully, you know, hopefully you have you have Beecham, who people are like, oh, he ran really well behind Beecham. He's running behind well behind anybody. But uh, you know, you have Beecham, who's below average. I think Shell is average to below average. Um, you have Winters, who's right up below average. Like they're they're an offensive line, who I still think is going to be like that 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 like eighteen to twenty one range. Uh, hopefully they address another guy, and then they have you know if they if they have a, a assembly, you have Shell who takes another step up, you have Winters who plays a little better, you get a you get a decent center, you could be maybe a def, decent offensive. I think I think Bell could work behind that. Um, Nick Wood at Morning underscore Wood twenty one. All right, uh, Josh Allen, Quinn Williams, Nick Bosa, marry one, kill one, tap one. Uh, it's usually you know different word for tap, but uh, got to keep it PG here, Joe. Um, I'm marrying Quinn Williams because I think he's the best player in the draft. Uh, no injury concerns, no character concerns. I think he plays really hard. I think he's going to be the best player out of this draft consistently. Uh, argue if you want, you know, D tackle versus outside linebacker and, and, and the importance, but just in terms of players, I think he's the best player in the draft. Uh, I think, I think I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tap Bosa because, um, I think he might not last like forever in the NFL. I think I think when he first comes in, people are going to be really happy with him because he's going to he's going to win and he's going to get that ten sacks a year or, or ten sack a year in his rookie year. People are going to be really high on him. But I think after that ten sack year, he might he might up it to like eleven or twelve and kind of like plateau there. So I think he's like more of a quick thing. Like he's a guy who's you're going to be really happy with at first and then fizzle out. That's why I'm deciding to tap him and then uh, kill one. Um, it's it's Josh Allen. Uh, which sucks because I think he has a really high ceiling. But listen, if the Jets are picking one of those three guys, I'm, uh, Allen's my last choice just because of, of his low floor. And I'd rather take a guy who's safer in Quinn and Williams or, um, or with uh, Nick Bosa than a guy like Josh Allen, who, who is going to be more of a risk. So I'll, I'll kill him. Uh, um, next question, two more. Uh, Robity, Robity, uh, at Robity1, uh, with a draft coming up do you have do you have any mid to late round players that come to mind as dogs uh you'd want on this team uh he says mine zach allen defensive lineman you know outside linebacker from boston college one i don't think zach allen's really a guy in the middle of the draft um who's going to be a dog because i think he's gonna be a guy who's gonna be drafted probably at the end of round one early round two mid round two it's not really a mid-round guy um but I, i like zach allen as well um but like I said, I, I'm more focused on, on first round guys, second round guys a little bit. Um, so I'm not like, like I said, I don't have the time to commit fully to draft like some draft guys do. Um, but if I had to say like a late, a late round guy, maybe like third, fourth, fifth round, I think, I think Bryce Love, the running back from Stanford is a guy who, who I would like to just pick up. You have, you have him um, behind Bell and then you have like a McGuire at third and Cannon at four, whatever it may be. Um, I think Bryce loves a pretty, uh, pretty good running back who I would like to add. And obviously, you know, there's been some quotes that he likes to, he would like to come to the jets. Um, so I think that's my guy, like maybe in the fourth or fifth round. And he's only going to drop there because of, because of his injury concerns. He's going to have some injury concerns. Uh, he had some injuries in, in uh, at Stanford they have to worry about, but if you can grab him fourth, fifth round, I, I would like to grab him. Um, Last question, Mike Miller uh, at Pig Pigbird Jet Fan uh, with 
no spaces. That's I don't know why your name is that pig bird jet fan. Um, Jonathan Harrison exclamation point. How did he play down the stretch when Darnold played great? Uh, he was not. He was not good. It's still, I know, I know Donald played great, but his technique was awful. He has wide hands. He has a wide punch. He has a late punch. His feet are too wide. Uh, he ducks his head. He's he's not good. Listen, he's he's a he's a solid backup because he can play center. He can play guard a little bit. So I I definitely like him as a backup option. But as a as a starting center, um, <clears throat> in no way in no way do I want him here. So if he goes into into the year as a starting center, you you have to be worried. All right, moving on. Had to go to the bathroom again. Um. That's that's well, that's it for the mail for the mailbag. Obviously, uh, people can tell that by now. But um, we're gonna do that every couple of weeks or every every week. Uh, always tweet me JRB31 and just tweet me, you know, indicating you want a mailbag. Or you could just literally wait for every like, Friday or whatever. I'll post, uh, you know, time for mailbag and just respond to that. I like them so I can go back to them and see um, the question. Uh, and then I answer them. Obviously, if you want to comment on YouTube below and you want it to be a mailbag, let me know. If you want to email, email me. I actually just saw a guy emailed me about the show. Um, didn't see a question there, but I'll respond to him shortly. But uh, blew it, Joe, B-L-E-W-E-T-T, Joe, T-O-J with no spaces at gmail.com. Email me a question. I know there's people on Reddit who, who like my work. So if you want to, uh, you know, just um, email me a question. You know, what do you think about whoever? Uh, Brian Burns is a prospect. You know, whatever, you want, whatever you want to ask. Uh, with the draft, like I said, anywhere past like the second, third round, I'm not really going to know much because – to, to act like I can know every player on the Jets roster, plus do all the film reviews for the free agency guys, plus do all the re- film reviews for the uh, guys in the first round. There's just there's no way. Um, so let's go. Before we go into the Jets, I'm just going to hit on some some bigger, like some other big free agent moves that happen around the league. Uh, really, really quickly, I'm going to quickly recap the Jets moves too because you're going to get film reviews on all these guys anyway. So I don't, I don't want to hit on it and, and talk for three hours about guys we're going to get an hour or two show on anyway. But uh, Antonio Brown to the Raiders – um, traded them for what is like uh, I, I forget exactly what it what it was for, but a uh, third third round, third, second and third. No, what was it? I, f- I forget exactly what it was. A third round pick. I think it was a third and something else. Um, I'm not I'm not afraid of the Raiders, man. They're, 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 their team their team is really not that good. Uh, they have him and they have Tyrell Williams now, but you know the running game is whatever. Their offensive line is whatever. They they're not going to have Jared Cook back. They have no defense. Um, so I don't. They're 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 spending money. Like a splashy signing with with Brown, and then they signed a new contract with them, I believe. Um, so they're spending a lot of money on a veteran receiver who's going to be good for another two years. But the, the I don't think the Raiders are really going two three years. Maybe I don't think they're really going to be going anywhere with them. So whatever. Um, Landon Collins, massive deal to the Redskins, six years, eighty four million dollars, fourteen million dollars per year. Uh, I don't know why Gettleman did not want to to bring him back. I get that he has. He wanted a lot of money, and he's a little bit limited. I think he has some ability in coverage. I think just calling him a box safety is a little bit over an overstatement. I have seen him make some nice plays in coverage and some nice reads in coverage. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously a huge deal, $14 million per year. Uh, if you're looking at that deal, you'd, you'd assume if, if they're going to re-sign Jamal Adams right now, he'd, have these, he'd at least want 15-16, one of the best safeties in the NFL. He does a lot more than, than Collins, I, I believe. But uh, Gettleman not wanting to sign him. Um, makes no sense. Like you're getting rid of your younger players and bringing in older guys like Golden Tate. I just I don't get what they're doing, uh, to be completely honest. Um, next, the, the Browns obviously got really freaking good. They got Olivier Vernon. They got OBJ. You know, Hunt was only suspended for, for eight games, which is good, you know, good for them. Uh, I think he should have been suspended for a little bit longer. Uh, but, yeah, him only suspended for eight games. You, you, have, uh, you got Sheldon Richardson. 
Um, so their their defense upgraded with Sheldon Richardson for sure, and getting Vernon as another pass rush option is, is an upgrade for sure. You get uh, OBJ and Hunt. You add to that offense with Baker Mayfield coming into his second year. Uh, th- th- they're a playoff team. Uh, I think they're gonna win. They're gonna win their division. I think they're better than the Steelers. Are better than the uh, the Ravens. And they're for sure better than the Bengals. So they're a team who I think upgraded the most in uh, in free agency. Next, uh, Jags. The Jags four year, eighty eight million dollar deal for for includes a, fi- a franchise record, uh, fifty million dollars in guarantees. And apparently they bid it against themselves. Like they didn't even need to do this. They just uh, they just wanted to like show the locker room that he's uh, a big part of the team, uh, and they did that in terms of spending money on him. If they could have signed him for, you know, instead of twenty two million dollars a year, you could have signed him for fifteen, sixteen. But you wanted to give that extra six million dollars a year, five, four, three, two, even one is dumb. You just save the best money you can. You don't just spend money to show other players on the team that he is that he's a big part of the team. You know, he shows it's a big part of the team. He goes out and he plays well. That's just that's just the dumbest thing ever. The Jags. I don't get it. I don't get the Jags either. If I'm them too, like Foles is whatever. I, 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 if I'm them right now and they have faith in Murray or whoever it is or Haskins or Locke or whatever, even though I don't, I think all those quarterbacks are worse than the top three quarterbacks of last year. I'm taking Donald Rosen or even um, Baker Mayfield, you know, before I take any one of those guys in terms of when they were drafted. Like, you know, so I think uh, – um, I don't know if, they, but if I was them, I'm, I'm getting Haskins or, or Murray. I'm not getting Nick Foles. Like it's, it's whatever. Um, you have to take note of the the Ravens. They lost the Darius Smith. They lost Weddle. They they didn't resign Crabtree. They uh, lost John Brown. They lost Suggs. They lost Mosley. They went from a top a top top defense to a defense who's probably middle of the pack now. Uh, you lose Suggs. You lose two, three linebackers who are like. Top, more top-notch guys. Mosley, who's the best by far on, uh, uh, that they lost. Um, Suggs is still solid. Darius Smith is solid. Weddle's a solid safety still. You lose your two your two best receivers in Crabtree and Brown. Uh, Lamar, I, I guess they're going to run the ball. It's just Lamar Jackson and Ingram, and Ingram all day. Lamar Jackson's not a good quarterback, um, in my opinion. And Ingram's a solid running back, but that's not enough. So um, they're a team who's in the playoffs who I think is going to now finish like 7-9. Um, type team as of right now there's a lot can still happen but uh, we saw Trey Flowers go to the Lions or whatever I wasn't I, I wasn't like so so high on him like I was high on him I would like the Jets to get him but I wasn't like heartbroken when we saw him with the Lions but we saw Tyron Matthew go to the Chiefs that's that's another good deal good deal for them uh, provide some versatility on that defense because their defense sucks uh, you had Preston Smith to Darius Smith going to the Packers good move for their defense they lost Clay Matthews uh, to the Rams but uh, that's a, it's a good pass rushing duo right there, the, the Smith brothers, and hopefully they could, you know, provide some pressure and get some sacks on a quarterback. So you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't score thirty plus points a game to to to, to win. <clears throat> and then um, the Giants is the last thing I'll get into the Jets. Like I said, quickly, uh, I'll try I'll try to do the Jets in order. I, I think I for, I, I definitely there's some things I noticed I wrote down. Or, or that I typed out that weren't in order, but it's just like how it came up in my in my likes. Like if you go to likes, you can see what you liked. Um, Giants falling apart is awesome. Uh, signing Golden Tate to a big deal for trading Beckham. So like they trade Beckham, and they, are, are they trying to to rebuild? But then you have Eli Manning on like seventeen, eighteen million dollars a year. You you sign Golden Tate to a big deal. You get rid of Collins. So like, are they trying to go for it all now by getting rid of their best players and getting old players when they know they have to rebuild soon? So like. They're getting worse while getting older instead of getting keeping their young guys while rebuilding. Like that, that makes no sense for them. I, I think they're lost. I think they're the, probably the worst franchise in the NFL right now. 
um, in terms of like where they're heading. I just, I just don't get it. Uh, I guess they're going to trade up for Hassan or Murray or whatever, but uh, I think their, their offseason has been terrible. You know, why get rid of your best player on defense in Collins and your best player on offense, or maybe arguably your second best. If you want to, you know, argue Barkley versus OBJ. It is what it is, but uh, let's say two of the three best players on your team are now off the team, uh, whatever. Um, and then they also put a first round tender on Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman was a guy who wasn't getting looked at by anybody last year. He got signed to the Browns, got cut, got signed to the Patriots, got cut. I think he went somewhere else, got cut. Like nobody else was interested in him. So you're going to put a first round tender on, on, on Corey Coleman, which is like, I think a first round tender versus second round tender. Um, it's like the difference between like 3.5. It's, it's, it's either like 3.5 to 4.3 or 2.5 to 3.3, whatever it is. It's something, it's, it's like a, a, like a million dollar difference in your contract. So you could have gave him a second round tender. Nobody's going to give a second round pick for him. And you can sign him for a million dollars less. Like I know it's not a big deal, but you, they just, they just gave away a million dollars. It shows how incompetent they are. You put an original round tender on Corey Coleman um, and you play him even less. I, I forget the original round. I, what, what was he drafted in? Uh, I'm sure people will remind me, but uh, the second round, I think. I think he's a second round pick. I, I could be uh, wrong on that. I'm not going to look up now. But going into the the uh, Jets, I'll go into their, their moves, what they did, give a little bit of a synopsis, and then uh, talk about some of their their biggest, uh, their best free agent options, you know, going into the next week or so. Hopefully they sign them in their biggest needs. Um, First move they made, they signed Jonathan Harrison uh, to a deal. Two years, maximum of $6 million. Um, now, if this is as a center, uh, a starting center, I hate it because, like I said, he's bad technique-wise, wide feet, wide hands, bad base, ducked his head. But at the same time, he's still a guy who could play center. He could play left guard. He could play right guard. So as a, as a, as a, like a swing guard and center, um, I, I like that move. $3 million is not that much for a guy who, who could potentially start at, at multiple positions for you. But as, as a starter, I, I would absolutely hate it. Um, the next move, the uh, Jets gave a – I think, like I said, it's probably not in order, but I tried my best. Uh, I didn't really feel like researching it because I don't think people really cared that much. Jets give a 2015 – or 2019 uh, fifth-round pick to the Raiders in exchange for uh, Coletio Samuele and a 2019 sixth-round pick. Um, he is due to make $10.2 million, uh, this year and $11.7 million, um, over uh, his next year on the deal. Uh, listen, he's 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 thirty he's thirty years old, um, so he's still in an area where he could still be an All Pro, Pro Bowl type level player. I don't think he's gonna be an All Pro just for the technique. I think he's he's gonna be he most likely will be a Pro Bowl player right near that level. Six five, three thirty. He's apparently down to three hundred right now. At least he showed it on on his like Snapchat or whatever. He struggled in twenty eighteen. He missed five games, battled some injuries. Like I said, with with the knee problems, with the toe problems, he played with Cable, who's a terrible offensive line coach. He had a rookie left tackle next to him, or I think I think it was a rookie, just a bad left tackle next to him. He was asked to play left tackle a little bit, at least from what I heard. I'll watch the film and see. Um, but I think you put him, you know, next to a more consistent player in Beecham versus a crappy left tackle, and you give him a Frank Pollock. And he's a little bit lighter now. He had, he had some rest. Hopefully, those injuries are taken care of. I think he's going to be an above average uh, to solid to pro ball, you know, type player for for the Jets. So they looked at the market. They they knew it was just saffled or bust pretty much at left guard, and they decided to trade. You know, swapping a fifth and a sixth. Like if the, if the Jets get a role player who plays on special teams in the fifth or sixth round, I'm happy with it. So it's not like you're training down from eleven. I mean, uh, from three to to seven or eight. Like it's not like a big deal. It's not something I'm going to lose sleep over. Most likely, that fifth or sixth round pick. Is is not going to be on the roster in two years anyway. So to be completely honest, you're basically trading pretty much nothing for assembly. You're just taking on his contract. So it's almost like a signing. Um, so you're, you're, you're protecting Donald. 
you're, you're getting a road grader um, type player for, for Bell. I, I think that's a great move. I was extremely happy that's how free agency started for the Jets. Or actually, it was right before free agency started or the, the legal tampering period, but that was an awesome move. I was definitely happy on that. Um, they re-signed Daryl Roberts, three years, $16 million. They can cut after this year. Um, you know, with net, no dead money, they can get out of it right away. So it's like basically like a one year deal for 6 million with the next two years being or next two years being options for $6 million. Um, he's not a starter. Uh, he, he, I know he played pretty well at starter when he, when he was uh, to fill in or pretty well kind of, I, I guess, uh, kind of like relative to his expectations, but should he be a full-time starter for 16 games? No way. There's, there's no way. Um, do I like him as a fourth player who can come in some spot duty? If a guy gets hurt? Yeah, sure. That's, that's fine. You're not going to have guys like Richard Sherman as your, as your backups um, or anything like that. So as a depth player, yeah, I like him a lot, which, but, but three years and $6 million a, a year is a little bit much for a backup guy. Um, maybe they had to overspend to get him here and, and the corner market is kind of dry. So people are offering a little bit more and they were a little bit nervous about, you know, Robert signing somewhere else and having nothing other than Tremaine Johnson, Perry Nickerson, and whoever else, Derek Jones, um, which would be the worst, one of the worst cornerback groups in the NFL, um, at least, in, you know, minus number one. Um, so maybe they'd pay a, a little bit more than you would want them to. You, you want them to see him more around like $4 million a year, but it is what it is. Um, should it be a starter? No, no way. No, no way. In my opinion. Um, the next one, uh, Jets uh, signed Jamison Crowder three year, $28.5 million deal, which is like a little bit more than nine, like let's, let's just $9.5 million per year. Um, $17 million fully guaranteed at signing like a two year deal, basically for 17 million. I, I, I don't know how, exactly how it would work if they cut him and all the dead and stuff like that, but, uh, $9 million for a slot receiver who, um, you know, listen, he was hurt last year. He only had 29 receptions for 388 yards in nine games. Uh, but the year before that, he had 66 receptions for 700, uh, 789 yards and three touchdowns. And then the year before that, he had 67 catches for 847 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, without giving away everything, so I'm going into the review. He's, he's a solid yak guy. He's not going to break tackles. He's going to get, arm, he's going to get uh, arm tackle a lot, but he sets up his lanes well. He's fast. He's shifty. Um, so he's good at yak. He's a good route runner. Um, he's a more of a quick player. He's not like a, he's not like a four, four guy. He's going to burn you. But in terms of like quick twitch, uh, be able to cut fast. He's, he's good at that. He can punt return. Uh, he is a deep threat, uh, not by just purely speed, which his, his acceleration and his quickness is good. His top end speed, not great. Um, but he sets up his routes well. Um, for sure. There are some issues with his route running. I, I wish he eat up a little bit more space than he does, but in terms of like setting guys up um, with like pressure stems and jerk stems and uh, peak technique and all those stuff that will, all that stuff that we'll go about, uh, talk about when he, uh, when he gets, uh, or when I do his show, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll show you guys what I mean by like uh, the, the peak technique and uh, pressure stem and, and jerk stem and, uh, and all of these things and uh, bam steps. And he does, he does a bunch of stuff. Let's see, let me see if I can put up a good play. I don't know. I'm just gonna put, I'm gonna put up a play of him because I'm told, I I don't like I don't know if you guys wanted to see my face the entire time. Um, oh, this is a good play of him. You can just put this up, I guess, for a little bit. Um, actually, it doesn't even matter because now I'm gonna go back to the to the Google things. I'm not gonna be able to play it. Actually, let's see. Give me one second here. I'm not gonna go through the breakdown of this, obviously, because I'm freaking uh, you know, 
you're going to do that a, a different a different day a different week um but yeah i think i think it's a good signing listen like i said he's probably the he's probably the uh one of the best options in the in, in the slot in in, a, in this uh free agency because he's a guy who like adam humphries is a guy who's gonna be like, just uh paper cut you to death um where he's a guy and crowder who i think is a little bit better of a yak guy and he's also a guy who can punt return. He can also he's you're going to see him on jet sweeps. You're going to see him on end arounds or give him some versatility. Where like the Jets tried to do that last year, um, or they did a lot. Obviously, it's a different coaching staff. But they did it a little bit last year. But when Quincy Unwell went down, you were seeing guys like Andre Roberts and freaking Robbie Anderson on end arounds, which is just never a good option. So now you have a guy like a Nunwa and you have a guy like Crowder who can give you some versatility. Where um, if it was just a Nunwa and let's say a Tyrell Williams nine times out of ten, you're going to throw screens and bubble screens and things like that on a noon wall so they can be more prepared for it. But now when you have two guys who can run with the ball after, or run with the ball after the catch and, and Crowder and a noon wall, and even Le'Veon Bell when he split out wide, you're, you're giving yourself some versatility with that offense. Um, so I, I definitely I definitely like that signing. It, it was a very good signing, and I was happy with it. You have to be a little bit concerned with the injuries. Um, good, just have a good medical staff. And after watching uh, the, the film, I was definitely more happy with, with him than I, than I thought I would be. Um, next deal that they came in with, I believe, uh, Josh Bellamy. Uh, the deal is, I believe, it's two years, seven million dollar max. Um, he gets two point seven five million guaranteed at signing, so he can cut him after one year. Um, but from what I looked at, look, listen, I'm not going to tell you I watch a lot of film on Josh Bellamy. Um, but from what you hear about, he's a key special teams guy for the Bears. He's a really, really good locker room guy. He's like their DJ. Everybody loves him. You can even see like, if you could put up the uh, if you want to go on like, NewYorkJets.com. And I don't watch a lot of the interviews, but I watch the. the I, I love when uh, the um, this the player sound comes out like, that you hear them during the game. I think that's funny. Uh, it gives you a little bit more of like a realistic view of what it's like on the field for them. Um, but you can you hear other players like asking him if, if he's okay. He's a great locker room guy. And and listen, it's a little bit like it's it, it's a decent amount of money, like seven uh, three point five per year for for a really good special teamer. He's gonna play a lot of special teams. He's probably gonna be like your fifth or sixth receiver because over the last you know four years he only has seventy six receptions for nine hundred ninety nine yards, five touchdowns. So maybe guys who comes in and and probably gets like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen catches. And like 200 yards, he's going to play a lot of. He's going to play a lot of special teams. He's a very good special teams player, um, and it's obvious that Brant Boyer has some say in in the locker room. And uh, he's a guy who's great in the locker room. Uh, and this is something that people like on Madden. Listen, it doesn't matter when you're team building. That matters to have that guy who's going to make you want to work harder at practice, to be in a better mood, to get you hyped up on game day, to to be the DJ. Those guys are important. If you don't have those guys in the locker room, it could really affect it. Even if he got, the guy sucks, you need that uplifting guy, that motivational guy in the locker room. Um, and I know they're you know they're grown men; they have to do their job. But having that guy for sure helps them. So I like him a lot for what he provides in the locker room. I'm not just saying that; I really do. Um, the next thing that happened was uh, Anthony Barr. He signs a deal for around like it is reported like 14, 15 million dollars a year over like four or five years. Probably a good chunk of it guaranteed. And I have I have I have t- uh, text to prove what I said of this. I was happy at the time of the signing. I watched him that that very night. I watched a little bit of him, um, and I was watching Clutchio Semele too. But I was like, oh, you know, I watched a little bit of Bar. And people were really hyped for this guy and saying that he could be a pass rusher, and he just wasn't used like that way at, uh, after he came out of UCLA. Um, but listen, if the if he was that good of a pass rusher, and this was this was in the back of my mind when I signed him, if that if he was that good of a pass rusher, the Vikings would have rushed the passer more with him. He he didn't rush the passer, um, really at all. And of all his uh, all of his career sacks, I think only one of them where he was like one on one with an offensive lineman. He never in his career 
beat a tackle for a sack. Not once. It was all unblocked versus running backs and um, from from stunts and, and and all these things. So I was like, I, I heard all that stuff. I thought about it. Like you know, the Vikings didn't really uh, you know send this guy off the edge a lot. Like obviously, if he was that good of a pass rusher, not going to freaking let him or, or not play him on the edge. So he's more of a stand up linebacker. Listen, he would have provided a lot of versatility. You know, he can blitz. He can he tackles relatively well. He can cover a little bit. Um, but I watched the film and I texted you know Scott. A lot of people know Scott. Uh, that night, and I, I, I forget exactly, I, I texted him. Um, I forget the exact text was, but I have it on my phone somewhere. I'm going to get it because I want to. Yeah, so I texted him uh, at 11.54 p.m. On, on that night of March 12th. Like I said, I have. March 12th. I don't know if you can see the time there. I think you can see the time right there if you were to pause it and really look into it. So I texted him before where I really legitimately thought he was on the Jets. I'm not just saying this. I said, uh, so far, I'm a little meh on bar, to be honest. A lot of athletic ability, but struggles with technique, IQ, and even a little, and even in the little reps I've seen uh, from pass rushing. So I thought he struggled in pass rushing. He doesn't have moves at pass rushing. Um, his his you saw him consistently shoot like the wrong gap or just not make plays. Like I'm gonna show because I recorded ten plays on because I was getting ready to do a review. Let me let me see if I can go through like just some plays. I'm not gonna show, I'm not gonna take a full breakdown of it because he's not even on the Jets, but. Um, after I heard the money they were apparently signing him for, and I watched him, I was like, I don't, I don't think he's he's really worth that that money. Um, to be completely honest, I I think he struggles with his pass rush plan. He doesn't really have one. Um, let me see where he is on this play because I haven't really. You see him on the edge, like right, right here. He there's there's no plan. He just runs into the guy. If you're gonna convert speed to power. You know, one you're gonna you're gonna want to go out a little bit more. You want to get the the offensive lineman moving, and then you're gonna want to bowl him. You don't want to just go straight into him with a bowl. And you're, he's not really getting his hips under him. He's not really going into a full bull rush because look, his hips are still sideways, and his body's that way. So his hips are here, wanting to go here, and his body is torqued towards him, towards the quarterback. So he's not generating full power from his hips to go up and through, roll his hips up and through that offensive lineman. So that's that's no plan, really nothing, no no chop, no swim, no arm over, no uh, cross chop, nothing. There's nothing. I saw I saw that a lot from him um, when I was watching him. So when I when I heard that they didn't sign him, I wasn't. I I really was not uh you know butthurt about it because I thought he struggled with passing. I, I think he, he he's a player who's gonna make some good plays every once in a while, and then he's gonna make plays where he just doesn't do anything like, on this play. Okay, he's the uh, he's the uh, he's a backside linebacker. This this is it's 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 a backside power or not a backside power. It's a one back power. Um, for whatever reason, I'm not going to jump all into it. Uh, I think I think 30 is Williams. I think 30 is Williams. Uh, doesn't like that side. He sees a wide open hole. You know why there's a wide open hole right here? Because look who was here who left his responsibility. It's, there was no gap exchange. There was nothing. He just left it because he was flowing with the offensive line and, di- and, and didn't contain what he was supposed to contain. So I, I saw this. I saw the play of the pass rush. I think I had like two more plays. I only recorded 10 plays and like, like five of them were, were were negative, or four or five of them were pretty negative, which is not good when I when uh for for me and like my ratio, good to bad plays. Because there's some plays like listen, he's not going to get there. It is what it is. The tackle had a really good rep, but I can when I actually like sticky for something, it's 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 not good. Uh, at that ratio, like forty percent of the the plays I put up is not good. Like even even here, he he goes for the stab in, into the rip, but. One, he the, the, that stab works more when you're getting him moving, so he's, he's able to absorb it easily because he's not really moving that, that hard. And then he tries to rip through, but when he tries to rip through, he's not really connecting his feet to his hands. Like, you see, 
how his right foot's coming forward when he throws that rip. You want that left foot to clear that hip, then rip to get through. Um, so you want to step through those hips. And he's not stepping through the hips to throw the rip. You're, you're attacking like the full body for the most part. I, I was not high in the guy when they, when they signed him after watching the film. So the fact that they didn't get him, I have, like I said, I have proof. Um, I'm fine with it. it. It is what it is. He, he, he ended up saying, he, you know, ended up going back to the Vikings and saying, saying he, feel, he felt sick when signing with the Jets and he felt, he felt like he married the, the wrong girl. Good. Goodbye. Because now the Jets have more money to, to spend. Um, I don't understand with the money that they had, how they were planning on signing him and then signing Le'Veon Bell. Because like I said, $35 million, you could probably spend $20 million of that. Le'Veon Bell cost 12 so you have like $8 million to make the rest of the moves. They didn't really strive for cash. I'm actually happy that we didn't end up with Barr. Um, Go back to the Vikings. They, 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 Kirk Cousins. After watching Jameson Crowder film, he's really he, he's okay at at best. And uh, shit, offensive line. Just goodbye. Um, next move, which is why I got no sleep because I was watching Anthony Barr film. It's like three o'clock in the morning. It's like it's like seven thirty in the morning. I get up to go to the bathroom, um, and I see like twenty plus notifications on my phone. Like my phone blowing up. I was like great <laughs> like what is going on here and then i noticed that cj mosley signed so then i got like four hours of sleep and had to go to work because after that i could not sleep um 26 years old i said he's, a, he's probably the third best inside linebacker in the league you, you can argue second um they signed him to a five-year 85 million dollar contract um at, with 43 million dollar fully guaranteed at signing uh 51 overall um 51 guaranteed overall so the jets basically looking at this deal they're they're going to be with him at least for three years um after those three years in 2022 they can cut him uh which would be three million dollars in dead in dead uh, money and 15 million dollars in savings which uh you, which i guess is realistic it can happen maybe for three years but you're getting you're getting an all pro pro bowl level talent uh, need or not, was it? Is it outside linebacker? Is it corner? Is it is it left guard? Is it center? No, it wasn't one of those needs. We didn't. Nobody thought in going into to free agency the Jets needed an inside linebacker. But when you're able to add a top notch player at any position and improve that position, you do it. Because listen, how many times do the Jets like have problems landing guys? Like like I said, looking at free agency from last year, like the big move was Trey Johnson. That's 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 good. Like he's a Pro Bowl level talent. But after that, we got. We got Isaiah Crowell and Terrell Pryor and all of these bums. Let's, let's be completely honest. The fact that they were able to land a guy like Mosley for like $17 million a year, which apparently the Ravens went up to, to 14. He wanted to stay with the Ravens, but he couldn't deny that extra $3 million a year from the Jets. So the Jets, they couldn't spend $15 million on, on Mosley and land him. So they, they, they upped the price another $2, 3000000 million. Maybe he's overpaid by, you know, like I said, maybe $2 million a year, $3 million a year. Cause I think he's making, I think Keekley's making like 13 or 14. And he's making 17. Or maybe he's making 12 and he's making 17. Regardless, the Ravens are going to come with a 14. The Jets wanted him badly. They saw a player. They couldn't deny it. He, uh, they gave him a lot of money. Is it an overspend by maybe $2, 3000000 million a year? Yeah. But are we, are we really going to bitch about $2, 3000000 million a year when we landed a, a Pro Bowl-level talent, even if it's not a position of need? It's going gonna, it's gonna to make the Jets much better on, on defense to have that guy in the middle, dropping into Tampa 2, dropping into hook zones, you know, matching guys in the seam, uh, blitzing, even though he does struggle with blitzing, actually. That's probably one of his biggest issues, um, which, I'll, which I'll highlight when I do the reviews and stuff like that. Um, but he's a, he's a great player, so I'm, I'm happy with the, with the ad of him. Um, and they overpaid a little bit, and people are like, oh, he's making a lot more money than Keekly. And I'm going to say this again, and I say it all the time. The top 10, maybe to 15 players at their position are going to get paid the next biggest contract. So even if you have, let's say, 
I, I don't even know. Let's say Tredavious White, the, the corner from the Bills. He's a, he's a top, 15, top, top 10 to top 15 corner in the league to me. I think he's very, very good. Um, now, is he the best corner? Does he deserve the most money? No, not necessarily. But when he has to get re-signed, he's going to make the most money because he's top 10 to 15. Because if you don't sign him to that money, guess what? They're not going to sign the contract, and then they're going to get that money. So either they're going to overpay him by $2, 3000000 million, or you're going to lose a really good player. That's, that's how it works, especially in free agency. That's why always the next, the next quarterback gets the biggest deal. Matt Ryan, Joe Flacco, Russell Wilson, whoever it is, they're always going to get the next biggest contract unless they're obviously digging a, a team-friendly deal, Tom Brady, et cetera. Um, but it's always going to happen. So that's why I got overpaid. And then in, in, in three, four years, uh, people are going to look at him like, oh, they got him for $17 million and this guy's getting 18 19 Oh, the Jets actually have him at a, for a pretty good price for his, his talent. It's always, it's always going to seem like a lot. And then slowly over time, it's, and you're really going to see, like, like Keekly's on the next biggest contract. Now he's not going to be. Net. By the time he signs a new contract, he's going to be the fifth, sixth, seventh highest paid linebacker. That's just how the NFL works with the cap going up every year. So I, the overpay – you know, it is what it is. It's two, three, four million dollars, but uh, they're getting a, a, an elite player, an elite player. He's really freaking good. Um, next, uh, I don't know how long I've been going for. Um, it's probably like a two-hour show or plus, but it's big, big free agency. That's why I'm wearing the Jets green. So I'm like proud to be a Jets fan. Now. I'm actually happy with what's going on. Um, Jets sign and the next move, a three-year, twenty-five point two million dollar deal with Henry Anderson. Uh, a little bit over what is it like eight, eight point four million dollars per year. Um, he had seven sacks last year. Obviously the Jets love everything about him. He's a good locker room guy. He didn't have any more freakish injuries. So that's good. Um, he was effective. And I've said it before in, in a true four, three, if he was an interior defensive lineman or an exterior defensive lineman, do I think he'd be a great fit? No, but like I talked about with Marcus when, it, when we were on together and I've explained to people, when you're using a more movement, more stunts and things like that, and you're, and you're taking advantage of that long step ability that he has, um, and the ability to to contort his body and get skinny and things like that at his size and and even even with his size, a big thing with with his size and a lot of stunts and twists are his his arm length, his arm length to 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 pull in a guard, to grab a guard's jersey, to allow you know um, whoever to to get outside or inside of that guard on an ETT stunt, whatever it is. So arm length is good. The 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 uh, length that he has, um, overall the athleticism. Um, it's a good signing. A little bit over overpay, overpay for him. Eight million dollars a year for seven sacks. Yeah, yeah, probably a little bit overpay, but it's free agency. It's going to happen. You overpay everybody. Every single person in free agency is technically like, like overpaid. Um, you can explain that overpay and why it makes sense, but is he? Now, if you look at his deal compared to whoever that eight million dollars a year, is he as good as those guys? Maybe not. Um, but I think he's a he's a good piece. And listen, if you don't have plans for the defensive line, you went to the to the to the season. You improve your linebacker core, but then you went into the season with Leonard Williams, Steve McClendon, and Nathan Shepard. That's not a good defensive line. Like I, I, I like some of those guys, but uh, Henry Anderson's better than that. He's the second best defensive line on the team, so they brought him back. Um, the uh, the next move is obviously, well, not obviously, because I don't know if people know the exact order, um, but it's the biggest move. Le'Veon Bell. Um, couple days into it i got a little bit annoyed with with him and some of his antics but it is it is what it is but that uh let me see i'm gonna try to put up a actually um i'll put up a play of him it doesn't really matter because i can't really play the play because i'm talking to myself so i have to like look at my computer and look at the notes and stuff like that um but they're getting the the first or second best running back in the league you can argue first you can argue second he might be better than barkley because barkley 
he's he's very very good um but he also tries to go for too much too often uh, that which which leads to either very short gains or loss of yards we don't really see bill do that too too much even i did the review and he does that very 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 rarely um but you're getting a player who's still 27 years old had a full year off uh, you saw the interview with SI. He never got high as 260. The highest he was was like 240, but he plays around like 222, 25. Um, he's, he's not a locker room problem. And he, he, had, he had a lot of problems with the Steelers' management in the front office and Big Ben. He didn't have problems with a lot of guys in the locker room. They were a little bit pissed at him for the contract. But he's, he's not a guy like Antonio Brown who's a head case, I don't think. Uh, he just wanted his money. And the, the main reason that he didn't take that $14 million a year with the the Steelers, we did we did a whole four or five hour show, but it's because he wanted the long term guarantee. He he didn't want that one year fourteen million dollars, then they'll run him into the ground, greatly diminishing his value. Then he goes into the free agency market, not getting the the guaranteed money and the long term um you know, the long term control that, that he that he wants. He he wanted a long term deal. The Jets signed him. Um you know, for four years, $52 million, I think $35 million of it's guaranteed. So they're going to have him for at least three years. Uh, and that's full, like all guaranteed money. That's what he wanted. He got that year off and he, and he got from a team that he said he was unhappy with. He, he didn't like Ben. He didn't like the front office. He said he didn't, they didn't treat him correctly. They looked down on him, all this stuff where he, he felt like the Jets were very welcoming. And uh, he was on like the same level as Adam Gates when he talked to him. You should definitely go check out like that 25 minute interview with uh, SI. Uh, I'm sure you can find it on Twitter if you have any ability to find things. Uh, you'd have to be pretty dumb not to be able to find it. I just type in Le'Veon Bell SI, and it's going to come up right away. Um, but, yeah, like the whole Twitter thing uh, with, like, he tweets out, like, so torn and, like, the thinking emoji and, you know, releasing at midnight with the rap album and all this stuff. But, listen, the Jets got the best free agent on the market by far. It's not even close. Who was, who was second to him in, in free agency? It was, really was nobody. Um, they got an elite, all-pro, Hall of Fame player still in his prime. That's, that's all I have to say. He's the best player on the Jets. And that, they signed him in free agency. And you're putting the best player on the Jets with um, Sam Darnold, uh, who's a 22-year-old quarterback going into his second year who still has to develop. You're giving him that checkdown option who's going to make second and sevens instead of second and 12s and third and threes instead of third and eights. And he's going to take a check down for instead of two yards for 25 yards, 30 yards. He can run on the goal line. He can catch, he can pass block better than any Jets running back pretty much ever. Um, you know, he, he's smart. He's going to point things out to Donald. He can point out coverages. He can help him recognize blisters. He can do all these things. Uh, and I think he's going to be a good locker room guy or, or not, not necessarily like a great locker room guy. I don't think he's a great locker room guy. He's not Josh Bellamy. Um, but having him in there is like it legitimizes the Jets to free agents as well. Like it's the Jets had a bunch of nobodies on their team for the most part, minus you know Donald Adams, Leo Williams, whoever you want to say. But bringing him in, bringing guys like Mosley in, people are gonna look at the Jets and be like, "Damn!" Like, okay, Mosley, you see, you see Bell there, you see Donald growing, you see Adams, and you see players like in the draft, like talking about the Jets, like they never have before. Like, I'm, obviously, they don't just bring up the Jets if they're not like, "Oh, well, what team's talking?" Yeah, I really like the Jets. It's more like. How would you fit with the Jets? That's, that's more of the questions on how they lay it out, and then you just see their answers. But people are talking about the Jets like they never have. Like, yeah, I really like the play from all this stuff. So um, I think Bell legitimizes him. And if you haven't watched my review on Bell, go on, go on the podcast app, go on uh, YouTube, and you can see me gush over him for four hours of breaking down his film. He's freaking amazing. Uh, he could truck you. He could juke you. He could hurdle you. He can catch the ball. He can block. He can run routes and beat at pretty much any safety in the league. 
Um, you saw him a few times just destroy Assembly and even Mosley. He stiffed on the crap out of Mosley, um, which I don't know if I have that play. I have like 60 plays on here, but uh, let's see if I can just find it really, really quickly if I put Mosley's name in there, but I don't think I did. No. I don't want to do mostly dirty anything like that because he got he got stiff on really badly, um, but yeah he's he's the best or second best running back in the league he's one he's top five I, I labeled out the uh, or not labeled out I went through the position players in the NFL uh, currently I, I think I had him rated at four or five in the NFL in terms of best skill positions he's not thirty he's not twenty nine he's twenty seven years old um, so that you have to be extremely happy that's what we wanted going to free agency the number one thing we wanted we got him looking at some of the numbers. Um, now, obviously, I talked about you know such a big he's such a big help for the offense and the image of the of the Jets. People don't want to go there. If you like sign with the Jets, let's say just let's just say whoever it is Stephen Wisniewski. If you saw Isaiah Crowell Cannon, would you be like, ah, yeah, I'm like you know whatever it is, what it is. Now, if you see Bell, they're like, oh man, like blocking for Bell, like that might that might be really freaking awesome. So I think it, it's gonna attract more people to the Jets for sure. <clears throat> the better we get, the more attraction we're going to have. Um, Yards from scrimmage in NFL history, minimum 50 games. He's, he's the highest in the NFL in history. He has, he has the most yards from scrimmage. Bell, 129 yards per game in his NFL career. And obviously you can factor in the injuries that he get injured in the second quarter, third quarter, whatever. Um, but he had 129 yards per game so far in his NFL career. He had a whole year, he had a whole year off to rest his body. And there was like some study. I forget exactly where it was where running backs like break down after so many snaps, like four, I forget exactly what it was, but it, it the, the study of it based on analytics, um, which this is more of an analytics one I'll actually go to. And I actually like the, the study because it, it, it supported it very well. Um, he basically has another two, two, three years of elite production before you're going to see that normal drop off for running backs uh, per like they go by snaps and when people drop, dropping off and all that stuff. So, they basically like proved he has at least another two years of being absolutely elite, maybe three years of being elite, depending on how much the Jets use him. So that was a, that was a nice thing to see. But like I said, 129 yards per scrimmage for him, uh, minimum 50 games. Jim Brown, 125. Billy Sims, I don't know who that is, 119.6. Barry Sanders, 118.9. He, he's number one in the ever. Uh, so you also have to give a you know a big thumbs up to to Jamal Adams who said he was a big part in recruiting him talking to his agent tweeting him calling him visiting him all this stuff and Jamal Adams is the lifeblood of the Jets listen i think Bell is the best player on the Jets but right now if you had to, if you had to say for which would never happen but are you going to choose Jamal Adams or or Le'Veon Bell going forward i'm thinking Adams I, he's just such a big part of of the lifeblood of this team he's 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 the image uh, so i'm i'm happy you have you have him now on the uh, in the secondary you have Mosley uh, you're going to add a front seven guy, whether it be Quinn Williams or Bosa, I think. And uh, th- that's going to be amazing. They're going to be an elite player as well. So got to be happy with that. Uh, a couple more moves. Andre Roberts signs with the Bills. You have Jason Myers who signs with the Seahawks. Uh, the Jets re-signed Chandler Catanzaro, who, listen, he wasn't as good as, as Jason Myers last year, but Jason Myers got overpaid a little bit with the Seahawks. And he had a really good year last year. He kicked like 91% of his field – or 91% on his field goal tries. He also missed a, a decent amount of uh, field goals and even extra points towards the end of the year, which I think he was kind of going back to what he is, where he was a guy who couldn't really find a team. Um, and he had a really good year, so I think he got overpaid a little bit, where if you're average for three, four years and then you're elite for one year – if you had to bank on him being elite for the next year or more average, what, what are you going to do? The law of averages. You're going to go back to what you kind of are, at least in my opinion, um, especially your field goal kickers. So you have 
You bring in Chandler Canzaro, the, you know, the cat man who was here two years ago. He played pretty well for the Jets. He has an average of uh, 83.8% as a field goal kicker, and Myers has 84.3%. Um, but before this year, like the 91% for, for Myers, he was, be- he was below 79% in, in both 16 and 17, which is extremely low. If he didn't have the year he had last year, he would be like high 70s uh, field goal kicker. So um, I was fine with losing him. Um, but I do not like losing Andre Roberts. Andre Roberts, I don't think he had a big contract. And he was a big part of the special teams. He had a he had a what he had like two punt return touchdowns last year for the Jets. Uh, consistently put the Jets from, you know, instead of their own for their their own thirty five to to midfield, or instead of their own ten to the twenty five. Um, I you know he he was a guy who consistently moved the chains for the Jets. Not moved the chains, but uh, he he gave the Jet the Jets a better field position to, to start the drive. And, and the difference between going 60 yards compared to even just 70 yards is a huge difference in the NFL. It's a game of not even inches. It's a game of millimeters. Um, and moving consistently down the field of 5, 10, 15 more yards and, and scoring touchdowns um, is a big deal. And that's just with receiving the ball. That's not even considering what the Jets have had of when, when, when you know, knowing when to let a ball bounce over your head, um, when, when – knowing when not to let a ball bounce your head, when to field it, when to call for a fair catch, when to return it. Like, he knows all that stuff. You know, I, there's, only, there's a bunch of guys the Jets have had. Khalif Raymond, Devin Smith, Jalen Marshall, Trenton Cannon, Jeremy Curley, even though I think he's a little bit uh, underrated in terms of his, his returnability. Uh, and then a, a washed-out Josh Cribbs. Like, these are the guys that the Jets have had over the last couple of years, and you don't want to pay an extra million or $2 to, to – uh, Andre Roberts, who was the best kick returner they've had since probably what Leon Washington, Brad Smith, and you know ten years ago. I did not like them letting Andre Roberts go. Um, at least in my opinion, they re-signed Neville Hewitt. Um, I'm not going to go into a whole spiel about Neville Hewitt, but a decent uh, backup linebacker. He played better than I thought he would when Lee went down or didn't go down last year. He got suspended at the end of, end of uh, last year. He made some tackles. He made a good amount of tackles. Not great in coverage, but he still has some ability. Having him as your third, fourth linebacker, I definitely like it. They re-signed uh, Steve McClendon, 33 years old. Um, Henry, Henry Anderson even said uh, getting Steve McClendon back was important because when everybody talks, the team listened. Another one of those locker room guys you want. Uh, good leader, quiet, doesn't talk a lot, but like like Anderson said, when he talks, everybody listens. Uh, really smart dude, veteran. You're not going to have every guy. But I think the Jets are one of the youngest teams in the NFL. Um, I think he's actually the only player over 30 um, on their entire team. I could be wrong, but I think, I think that's the stat. Um, so you're not going to have guys. You're not going to have everybody at 20. 24, 25, 26 years old. But uh, McClendon, he's still a guy who I've talked about uh, as being very underrated. Um, I think he's a good zero to three tech and he, and he does his job. So I, I like that they re-signed him for sure because they don't really have anything there. If you're going to play a three man, a three down defensive line, it was going to be, it was going to be uh, Henry Anderson, Leo Williams, and Nathan Shepard. I'm thinking Steve McClendon every single snap over, over, um, over uh, Nathan Shepard. So good, good, good re-signing. A couple more moves. Uh, then we'll, basically end it. Jets signed Brian Poole one year, uh, $3.5 million, 26 years old, 5'10", 205. Um, I, he's very, he's polarizing player. He has some snaps where he looks fantastic. And then he has other snaps where he's not, he's just, he's just not good. Whether it be over, opening it up, up his hips too, too early, staring back into the backfield uh, with zone, not having awareness of who's around him. Um, 
But at the same time, then he'll have a play where he gets a really good jam on a guy, matches his hips, and then makes a really good pass breakup or lays a guy out. So he's a player who, in terms of, like, um, inconsistency, he's like Buster Screen. People say, oh, well, he's like basically Buster Screen. In terms of the inconsistency where there's some good plays, some bad plays, yes, they're definitely different players. Um, Poole's a guy who doesn't have the athleticism that Screen has, but has a lot more power um, in his game. He's a, he, he has that ability to press guys or Screen – couldn't really press guys as well. And Poole will lay a shot on, on you. You see there's multiple plays where I, I have highlighted of him um, just, you know, absolutely laying guys out. I don't know if I – let's see if I uh, – I can put up – I'll put up a play really, really quickly if just so I can – just who's in the background of me uh, talking, I guess. But, uh, yeah, he's a, he's an interesting guy. I think he's a guy who has a, has a relatively high uh, ceiling, but he could be um, – Let's see. Oh, here, this is a hit. this is a hit on uh, this is on Jamie. Yeah, Jameis Winston. Um, he's an interesting player. He's gonna be a fun review to put up for sure. And I think if he if he if they grow him and, and he reaches his ceiling, um, he could be a player who could be a this, the Jets slot corner for the next three, four, five years. Um, yeah, you got you gotta like that physicality. He's a guy who's he's gonna blitz off the edge as, as a slot. I think he's gonna play a little bit of like a safety uh dime backer like type of role for the Jets. So I think he's like. Almost like how we talk about like Lamarcus Joyner, who could play, who plays safety and slot corner. I think he's more of a slot corner who could play a little bit of safety. You want your safety a little bit taller. He is only five nine, um, so that hurts him, you know, a, a little bit in terms of being a safety because you don't want balls to go over your head. Um, you want to have some length at safety. So I don't think he's he's going to be and, and his range too. He's not like the fastest. So I think slot corner if he gets his hands on, he could be pretty good there. Um, and I think if you're going to play him in zone, you don't necessarily want him in like the the hook the seam, hook the curls, or or hook zones because there's a lot more to read there. Now, if you're going to play him in cover two and he's just a curl to flat or that cloud corner, I think he, 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 he's a good fit there. Um, but he's an interesting guy for sure. So I, I like that signing a lot. Uh, that, that definitely one of my favorite ones um, that, they, that they made this, uh, this offseason after watching his, uh, some of his tape. Um, next one, Brian uh, – no, not the, not the Brian. Uh, Jets sign oh, uh, offensive lineman Tom Compton. You know, listen, 29 years old. He, he's played both offensive tackle, offensive guard. He's been on three different teams in the last three years, 30 career st- starts, seven seasons. Uh, he started at guard, I think, for 14 games last year for the Vikings. Um, he, he's a backup level player who can play many positions. He has starting experience, like I said, 30 career games, 14 games last year. So he's a guy who, with with uh, Harrison, is a guy who can fill in, you know, at uh, well, not Harrison. Harrison's more of a center to guard, where he's more of a guard to tackle. But he's another guy who can play guard or tackle, backup guy uh, with starting experience, who's relatively young. You know, 29 years old isn't the oldest, so I think it's a good depth signing for the Jets. Um, next, the Jets sign tight end Daniel Brown, 26 years old, 35 career uh, receptions. There's somebody like tag me. I think it's actually that Justin Gray guy um, who like got I, I don't know who t- like texted him this or you know what news he got or whatever it was, but like said they're saying like oh he's an, he has elite speed, he's an elite route runner, he's an elite hands. It's like okay, he's been in the league for four years. He has 35 career receptions. And he played 23 snaps last year on the Bears. Uh, regardless of the Bears had a couple guys over him. Um, he would get a lot more reps, you know, if he was an elite route runner and had elite hands and elite speed. Like he's he barely ever plays, um, in like his three four years, whatever it has been. He's he's a guy who played 223 special team snaps, which is 52 percent for the Bears. So he's a special teams guy for the Jets. Who's going to be like their fourth tight end? That's that's most likely what it is. 
Um, the next move the Jets made, I think yesterday or two days ago, uh, the Jets re-signed Tomlinson and Quale. Uh, Eric, Tom- Eric Tomlinson, the, the tight end, um, he was pretty solid as a run blocker, pass blocker in 2017. Last year he dropped off where he went from really good to like average to below average. He just didn't have it last year. Um, so let's not freak out though. It's not saying, okay, we'll resign Tomlinson. He's definitely going to be our number two or three ten end. Um, we can sign him just so we signed Clive Walford or Neil Sterling or whoever it may be. Um, and then cut him. It's not like he's a, he's a definite lock for the roster. So it is what it is. And Brent Quale, uh, he's terrible. I don't, I don't, I rather have Compton there. I rather have whoever else there. Uh, ben Ajolano, if they resign him, which I don't know if he's under contract or not. I don't think he is. Yeah, I don't think he is. Um, but Quale was terrible when he, when he played. So I don't love that if he's going to be on the team, but you know, are you going to always love your eighth or ninth offensive lineman? No, not necessarily. The last move that the Jets just made, like 30 minutes ago, however long ago it was, um, the Jets signed Trevor Simeon, who, by the way, two, three years ago was a guy that people were arguing to be the starter of the Jets instead of Fitzpatrick or McCown. Um, and there was actually a, a compelling case for that. Uh, I think it was actually two years ago because after his 2016 uh, season. But he's been in the league for th- – he's played for three years. Last year he didn't play any, any snaps on the where he was. Maybe he was on the, the Broncos still. I don't know exactly where he was. Um, but he played for two years, and those two years he's, he has 5,686 yards, 30 touchdowns, 24 interceptions. Uh, he signed a one-year $2 million deal that could be $3 million with incentives. So probably like playing time if he plays you know, over how many ever games he can get that extra million dollars, which we don't. We hope he gets at $2 million because we hope Sam Darnold starts 16 games, um, which he most likely will because he doesn't have a large injury. Uh, oh, my God. I'm going to knock on wood there. Uh, that's, I, I don't like to see him get hit at all. So injuries, I hope he doesn't have them. But listen, you have a guy who's, who's 27 years old. Um, if he develops right behind Darnold, he could be a solid backup option. He can come in. Uh, he has more touchdowns and interceptions in his career, and he, he's a guy who's probably going to be like the next journeyman quarterback, or he might be the next journeyman quarterback. So if you can develop him with Sam Darnold behind him, um, I'm completely fine with that. I'd rather have him than pretty much anybody else on the market. Maybe the only guy I'd like to have him more than him. Um, maybe it was Ryan Tannehill, but Tannehill signed with uh, – am I blanking out on who he's – he signed with somebody. I forget who it was uh, to be a backup – Whoever Tannehill signed with, that doesn't annoy me. Um, actually, I'm just gonna do. I'm just gonna look real quick. All right. Tennessee Titans. Yeah, that's actually that's actually a good move for the Titans, uh, to be completely honest, because he's a he's the best quarterback on the market, and uh, well, other than Foles, maybe. Or, uh, I don't know. That's actually a good argument. Um, and Marcus Mariota goes down all the time, so that's actually a good move for them. Um, but yeah, Tannehill, maybe Matt Moore, because Matt Moore already knows you know, uh, Adam Gates' system, but Trevor Simeon was like the next guy in line for me. So I like that they're getting a relatively young guy who can develop and who, when he played for the Broncos as a starter for two years, he was actually, he was actually, you know, he's not good, but he's, he was okay. So um, I definitely, I definitely like it. And somebody just tweeted me too, considering we just paid Josh McCown $10 million last year. This is cheap. Like that's, that's true. You're, you're paying him, you know, 20% of what you paid Josh McCown. And they're probably, if they came into the game on the same type of level, you know, so uh, definitely a good move for the jets. Um, moving on from that. I might've missed the move uh, just to quickly wrap up. Let's, let's, let's go into the next week. I'm going to have a show on Mosley relatively soon. Where I'm going to break down a film for him for probably like two hours or more. Um, but the Jets still need an offensive center badly. So let's, let's, let's get, let's get freaking with Newski or Brett Jones or Josh sitting. And then let's, let, let's, uh, let's draft a guy or they really, really need to just trade for a guy. I really want them to trade for a guy who's 
an average to a to above average tight end or uh, center if they can. I think some of the other needs that the Jets have backup tight end. I don't. I'm not comfortable with Tomlinson or Jordan Leggett being the, the number two tight end right now. So I think looking at a guy like maybe like Austin Safarian Jenkins would be good for them, or whoever else is in free agency. Uh, they need a number two corner. I think that's going to end up being Dark Darquez Denard, or it's going to be Morris Claiborne. Either, either one of those guys. Am I ecstatic with it? No. But am I much happier with them over Dow Roberts? Yes. So I think they're going to add one of those guys, or they should. Outside linebacker. Let's see if they, they if they sign Justin Houston. If not, I don't think they're really going to sign anybody. Um, I, I was looking at Shaq Barrett, but he signed somewhere. Um, but let's say if they sign Justin Houston or maybe like a Shane Ray, just like as like a placeholder, just in case they don't get any any outside linebacker, um, you know, in the draft. Would I like Shane Ray? No, not necessarily. Uh, I didn't really like him even coming out of Missouri because I, I really have a bias against rushers with short arms. I just don't think it works out like ever. Uh, Terrell Suggs is like one, the only like, example I can think of off the top of my head who has shorter arms, who's a really good rusher. Um, and maybe maybe Melvin Melvin uh, Melvin Ingram is actually another one because he has relatively short arms. He's still a really good rusher. That's only two that I can think of. And Melvin Ingram could literally he's athletic enough to play safety if he wanted to. Um, so those are few and far between. So I didn't like Shane Ray coming out of college. I don't, I don't like him now. Uh, but let's look. Let's look. Offensive center, backup tight end, cornerback, outside linebacker, and I think D line depth is another one you want to look at. You want to add another guy in there who could play um, on the interior because they lost. They lost Pennell to the Patriots. Of course, they they took Pennell and uh, Terrence Brooks, but they don't really have that guy. Um, you know, Steve McConaughey could do it relatively well, but I, I think they need to add a bigger guy you know, 330 to 340, who's going to come in on the goal line, who's just going to stuff that, that, that those A-gaps. Like, I, I don't think they're going to use that a lot in Greg Williams' system because of how much, like I say, exchanges there are and stuff like that and stunts. But uh, you, you still need that guy. So I want a bit, I want another interior defensive lineman um, on this team, and even, even another DN because minus, minus – uh, you know, I don't think I don't think Shepard's a, a D end of five tech or anything like that. I think the only like real true like five techs they can have or guys. I I think Leo Williams can play all over the line, but the guys more on the exterior guys like Henry Anderson and Leo. Minus that, who do they have? Like I don't really even know. Um, the interior line guy, maybe it's Fadokasi, but I, we'll, we'll see. Um, so I think adding another one or two guys to D line is important as well. So let's let's address those five things at least. Um, the other back quarterback, which is good. Um, and the best options available: Houston, Sitton, Austin Sperry, Jenkins, Denard, Claiborne. Let's uh, let's see what, let's see what the Jets do there. Maybe they even sign a, another backup running back. Maybe they sign like a guy like T.J. Yeldon. There's there's some things that can happen. Um, but that's that's it for the show. I don't know how long we went, but uh, maybe like two hours or a little bit over. <coughs> um, if you like the show, like I said, take take you could take ten seconds, go to the podcast app, leave it five stars. That's all I that's all I ask. But if you if you are generous enough to go on there, write a sentence or two about why you like the show. I would really, really appreciate that. Uh, look out for the Twitter mailbags that I'll send out, or you can tweet me with a mailbag question. Just just indicate that. Or you can email me, bluewoodjoe, T-O-J, um, at Gmail. Uh, we're on iTunes at T-O-J space film space room. And uh, obviously we're on YouTube where we watch a bunch of those films, type in Turn on the Jets or T-O-J film room, and you'll find us there. Um, I appreciate everybody for listening, and I'll uh, talk to you in a couple of days, and hopefully uh, free agency continues to go well for the Jets.